Good morning, everyone online, and thank you so much for tuning in to the Calvary Online Experience. Welcome home. My name is Pastor Eli Emiliano, and joining me today is one of our amazing elders. Amigo, welcome, 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 welcome. Thank you so much for being with us. Will you please introduce yourself? Because besides being an elder, what are the things do you do at Calvary? Brother, I am so excited to be with you this morning. Thank you. My name is Joe Velasquez. And I have the honor and privilege to be on the Gospel Institute Advisor Council. And my wife, Ruby, and I also host a gospel circle in our home. We're excited about what's going on this season. Yes. And we're excited about yes. everything that's happening here at Calvary. Brother. Awesome. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you so much, Joe. Church, both Joe and I cannot wait to worship with you today. Now, before we jump into our worship experience, I want to say don't forget that there is something special about gathering together in person to be able to worship as one church. So it's not too late. There's still some time. We want to personally invite you to come out to one of our Calvary locations for an in-person worship experience. Remember, we're one church in multiple locations, and we want to meet you. We want to welcome you. We want to worship with you in person because it's truly not the same without you. Now, remember that here at our Irving location, we have three weekend worship experiences, our 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and our 5 p.m. Our 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. worship experiences are for everybody. But if you're a youth or a young adult, please come out tonight to our 5 p.m. worship experience. It's called The Five. The Five is a mix between gospel circles and, and a weekend worship experience. But most importantly, it is where you can build community with people your age, worship, and be reminded of your union with Christ. That and a whole lot more is all happening every Sunday at 5 p.m. 
And just as a quick reminder that today, church, we are celebrating our common union with Christ. That's right. We're taking communion later in the worship experience. So grab your bread, grab your juice, gather the family, and get ready to remember the goodness of Christ. Now, Joe, you mentioned earlier that you serve on the Advisory Council of Gospel Institute. Can you briefly talk to us about the the importance of of Gospel Institute in our daily uh, walk, in our daily life as we grow in grace? Uh, Absolutely, Eli. And and I'll start with this question. Um, Do you love the gospel? And, And would you love to grow in it and learn more about what we preach here at Calvary? If that's you, then please, we invite you, sign up for Gospel Institute. And what it is, uh, Eli, it has full online classes and teachings that explain in great depth and detail what we preach here at Calvary and, most importantly, what the gospel truly is. So you can find out more about the Gospel Institute in the Calvary app or go to calvarychurch.cc. Yes, that's awesome. And it's so easy to get on. It's user-friendly. Just go in there and get more information and sign up today. Also, Joe, you and your lovely wife, Ruby, you guys host a gospel circle. Those are cool. We're, we're I think we're three seasons in into the new format. We're in the spring season starting off now. What has your experience been in not only being a part of a Uh, a gospel circle, but hosting one as well. You know, Eli, uh, here at Calvary, we believe that we we were not created to live life alone. Mm -hmm. If you're looking for community to do life with, sign up for our spring season of gospel circles, which by the way, they're held in coffee shops, in homes, in locations all over over the Metroplex. So I invite you again, sign up for a gospel circle, go to the Calvary app and find yours and sign up today. That's so cool that everything, it's just, it's, made for us to be able to have it anywhere, enjoy it anywhere, learn anywhere. It doesn't have to be a specific structure, and it's just so anybody can do it. Exactly. It's, it's, it's amazing. So right before we hop into the message, please know that your generosity allows us to make an impact in the lives of everyone, every day, everywhere. Don't miss out on the opportunity to live generously and give generously today by giving on our safe and secure Calvary app or on calvarychurch.cc. Church, Wherever you're watching from, we believe that you're watching for a reason. Our lead pastor, Ben Daly, opens every one of his messages declaring that those listening would have eyes to see, ears to hear, a mouth to confess, and a heart to receive all the good things that Christ has provided for you. And that is our prayer for you today. Joe, thank you so much for joining me today, man. It's been amazing having you with us. And church, thank you for joining us this morning. And again, we cannot wait to worship with you. If you missed last week, go back and check it out. But until then, we want to make sure you're caught up and ready to go into today's message. Check out this short recap of last week, and we'll see you in a bit. today that those critical, judgmental, or condemning voices, those aren't God's voice. Because the Holy Spirit isn't a fault finder. His job isn't to highlight your imperfections or your shortcomings. That's not what he does. In fact, the Holy Spirit's nature is the exact opposite. He's an encourager. He strengthens you. He loves you. And he intentionally 
points out all the things that are right about you. And Today, we're going to talk about what it means to mature in our ministry. Jesus wasn't great because of his willingness to lead. Jesus was great because of his willingness to serve. We don't serve for identity. We serve from identity. If you're convinced that you have to do something great in order to become somebody, then what you're saying is when you start out, you're nobody. Is that the message we want to tell our kids? That they're nobody until they do something great? Come on, fathers. Would you go home and tell your little baby, you ain't nobody in this house till you pay this rent? When the father said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, Jesus hadn't worked any of those miracles. He had not raised the dead. He had not healed the sick. He had not fed the multitudes. Before he did anything significant, he was already pleasing to his father. And it's the same for you today. You do not have to perform to receive his identity and his approval. You're already pleasing to him.
to see you today, church. Why don't you stand up and worship with us? When night has fallen, when fear is calm, still you're calling me. When faith is lost, my hope exhausted, you will be my strength. When my mind says I'm not good enough, God, you're enough for me. I've decided I'm not giving up, cause you won't give up on me. You won't give up on me. Everybody clap your hands up. 
only one name that saved humanity He rewrote our history And he's still undefeated The matchless name of Jesus Come on, the class name church So much power in that name
with Jesus today and what he's accomplished for you clap your hands and give him praise today come on come on I think you can do better than that church clap your hands and give Jesus praise we're impressed with you Jesus I want you to say this out loud if you will say he can and he will try it again say he can and he will Mark chapter 5 is the story of the woman with the issue of blood. And I want to read verse number 28 and 29. Listen to what she said. If only I may touch Jesus' clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Now, you have probably heard someone say, I'll believe it only when I see it. Or I'll believe it only when I feel it. And I want you to know that that is the way that the world works, but God's ways aren't like the ways of the world and God's thoughts aren't like the thoughts of the world the world says if I can't feel it or see it I can't believe the miracles here God says if you believe it before you feel it or see it you will experience your miracle Now, believing first before seeing or feeling is what we call faith. Faith is really like the spark. And I say it like this, Jesus is the dynamite powder. And in that story of the healing of the woman with the issue of blood right there in Mark 5, there were many people who were touched or touching Jesus, a whole lot of people, but nothing happened to them. They didn't touch him in faith, but when the woman that I read to you about who'd been bleeding for years, 12 years came to him and touched him in faith, he felt power leave his body and it sparked off an explosion of healing in the woman's body. See, hearing about how good and how kind and loving Jesus was fired her faith to believe, watch, that he could and he would heal her. And she was so convinced, even when the condition in her body was still evident, she was so convinced that she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well did she experience her healing first before she believed no she believed first in jesus's goodness and power she acted in faith and only then experienced healing in her body 
I want to call right now for some of our pastors and elders to come forward and position themselves today. And I simply want to say this, church. Today, God wants you to believe in his goodness and love toward you. He really does. And today, I really feel this strong. He wants you to know how willing he is to act on your behalf to bless you. And how? With Christ, he will freely give you every good thing. I want you to know again, he can and he will. Say it out loud with me. Say he can, he can. and he will. he will. How do I know? Listen to Romans 8:32. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? He will. He can and he will. Say it out loud. Say he can and he will. I don't know. You may be here today in this worship experience. Do you need God to act on your behalf in a certain area of your life? Some of you, if you're honest, you'll say, yes, it's in my health. It's in my marriage. It's in my mind. It's in a relationship that's dear to me. It's in my finances. Today, God wants you to declare by faith that all is and shall be well with you and to expect to see just that because you believe that he can and he will. And then, let me say this, no matter how long you've had that problem, no matter how bad the experts say that it is today, our pastors and elders are going to be declaring an explosion of healing and restoration to take place and you are going to see I'm declaring you are going to see what you are believing for lift up your hands hold them up high say it again say he can, he can. And he will. he will. Say it again. He can. He can. And he will. Keep those hands lifted. Pray for him, Kim. Father, I thank you for the reminder this morning that you can and you will. Yes. I thank you, Lord, in you we lack no good thing. We lack no good thank you, thing. Jesus. Because of our union with you today, we lack no good thing. Whether it's healing, whether it's provision, whether it's restoration, whether it's peace of mind or yes. clarity, regardless of what it is today, I thank you, Lord. We lack nothing, nothing in you today. I pray, Lord, for those that are believing for provision in their finances or Say relational it. restoration or emotions, Lord, that need to be um, touched and healed. I pray, God, that you would just meet them where they're at today. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, for comfort. I thank you, Lord, yes. for provision. I thank you for abundance. I thank you, Lord, for healing our minds, our bodies, our emotions. Yes. I thank you, Lord, again, that our focus and our attention can be set on you and not on our situations or our circumstances. I thank you, Lord, that we can be reminded yes. today to get our focus off of what's in front of us and we can set our eyes on you today, the one that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond anything that we ask, yeah. think, yeah. dream up, or imagine according to the power that works within us within today. Us. I thank you, yeah. Lord. You've given us everything we need. It's in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, come on. I want you to declare it by faith. Say, he can. He can. And he will. He 
will. Say it again. He can. He can. And he will. He will. I'm going to ask our team to sing that song, Believe For It. And if you are believing for anything, he can and he will. You can get out of your seat, lower floor, upper tier, come forward. Our pastors and elders want to pray for you. Let's worship God right now.
Have you ever wondered how to get connected at Calvary? Found yourself wanting to know more about what we believe? We offer the opportunity to learn these things and more in our live Grace Walk class. Sign up on the Calvary app and learn how to get connected. Learn who we are as a church, who you are as a believer, how we live as believers, and how we can change our world. Join us for encouragement, empowerment, and maybe even breakfast every second Sunday at 8.45 a.m. in the Grace Walk room. Good morning, Calvary Church. It sure is good to worship with you. Go ahead, y'all can put your hands together for Jesus this morning. Y'all look beautiful. Thank you for coming and worshiping with us, those of you here in person and those of you online. We're glad that you are here. Our hosts are going to make their way up the aisle, and if you didn't receive some communion uh, when you came in, please raise your hand and signify or signal to them, and they will get one to you. We'll participate uh, later in the service together. I wanted to do something real quick. I know you just saw a video a moment ago about our gospel circles. I wanted to just put a stamp on it or emphasize this. This is something that is important to our pastors and us. Gospel circles is really how we dive deeper into the word. This is how we're, you're not able in a setting like this to raise your hand and ask a question as Pastor Ben is going to bring the word today. You can't go, hey, I got a thought on that. But in gospel circles, you can. In gospel circles, we're able to ask questions. There's intimacy. It's a smaller group. In fact, Pastor Ben and Kim are leading one of these gospel circles. It's very easy. I won't rehash it. You saw it. Uh, I hope that if you have not been in a gospel circle this year, 2022, you say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this step of faith and really grow in my faith. I hope that you do that. And if, and if you have been a part of a gospel circle, sign up and... Uh, and be a part of it again. Now I want to do something real quick. I want to introduce to you uh, our next gen team. Many of you have not seen this team, but they work tirelessly. Uh, can you come on out here, Pastor Adam, the next gen team? Can y'all put your hands together? <laughs> Pastor Adam, man, it sure is good to see you and your lovely wife. You guys are the leads of this next-gen team. This is a young man that has been raised in the house. He was actually a student in student ministry here, and now him and his lovely wife lead this great team. Talk to us. Would you introduce some of this team and just talk to us about this phenomenal ministry you lead? Yes, well, thank you, Pastor Chris, for having us up here, and thank you, Pastors Ben and Kim, for the opportunity to be here. Uh, it's just amazing to be a part of Calvary, and this next-gen team that you see standing behind us is incredible. They absolutely are, so grateful for the opportunity to be here today. And as you, uh, you can see, we've got, we've got some really good-looking people back Come here, on. do we not? My can you give this, this amazing group of people a round of applause? But we, we have some incredible guys that have stepped up into this. And before I introduce them, I just want to let you know that God's hand has been completely just wrapped around this entire process. As the people have come forward, we've been able to find them and just be able to encourage them and, and let them know what callings are in their life, speak into them. So thank you, Calvary, for being a church that believes in the next generation and your support as we uh, just introduce these couples here. But over to my right, we have pastors Q and Antonise, who are our senior high pastors over students ministry and they are Let's they've been go. in the house 
They've been here with me for years, and uh, it's just great to have them on team officially running this thing. They're serving at the five. So every Sunday night, you can find this couple at the five. They want to connect with you. They want to connect with your high school students. They want them to know their identity in Christ. They're truly called and passionate about your students and about seeing them grow into who they're meant to be. So if you want to connect with them, make sure you see them. They'll be there tonight at the five. Behind me here, this is this is my good friend, Pastor Roman. Come on. Pastor Roman and his beautiful wife, Kellen, who is home taking care of their newborn son this morning. Come on, that's a, that's a beautiful gift in itself. A young father right here. And he is invested in our junior high students. Him and his wife together have been developing just relationship building with these guys over the past years. And uh, I'm so excited about what they do. They're here every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. to speak life into your students right up here in our junior high room. And I'm really excited because this student's team right here is going to be hosting a student's gospel circle on Monday night, 7 p.m. in our student center. So if you have young people that are walking into that, want to receive that revelation, you got to get them plugged in, get them connected with Pastor Roman, Pastor Q. And then over here to our left, this is Pastor LaToya. Pastor LaToya, come on. I hear a little excitement from our our Arlington Q. She has been she has been part of this house so yeah. long, so faithful. That's right. uh, we're grateful to have her on team. She's a game changer. Every single one, I could talk forever. I'm going to stop talking because I'll start crying. And then, uh, yeah, I'm not allowed to do that. But <laughs> Pastor Latoya oversees all of our early children. And that means she's with our babies all the way up to our kindergarten. She's continuously pouring into them, yep. investing in this next generation. And if you haven't met with her, get connected with this young lady. Get connected with her. And uh, she's just amazing. But to... The end, lastly, and not not that she's the least or anything, but this is Alyssa Garcia. Come on. Alyssa Garcia, she has come on as our next-gen assistant, and she has been helping me not be so crazy. So thank you, Pastor, for that. And uh, Alyssa, you're incredible. Thank you for being on the team. New to this thing, but running it, just running it, y'all. And uh, as, as we just get ready, I just want to let you know that These guys are here, so if you want to get connected, if you want to get plugged in, if you're looking for a space where you and your family can serve, can invest in the next generation, get with these guys. You'll see it up on the screen, uh, but my email right there, adamk at calvarychurchcc. If you have any questions about next gen, about events, about anything like that, Go ahead and grab that email, shoot me something, and we'll get in contact with you. But I wanted to give you just one final quick update. As we move into 2022, some things that are launching, that are coming out. Obviously, we talked about gospel circles. We're so excited. If you're not in a gospel circle, get in a gospel circle, okay? Get in one. It will change your life. It's changed my life. It's changed every person on this platform just being in it. But uh, also, this summer... This summer, we are hosting a students and kids camp for your kids. So this summer, if you want to get plugged into that, we're inviting all of our GCCM network, which is just the network that pastors Ben and Kim have invested in. It's a group, a community of churches and pastors that are going to be plugging into that. And so if you want to get involved in students camp, kids camp, want to get your kids set up. So did you, I don't know if you noticed this. So. We've never done this before. No, no. Pastor Adam and this team have put together our very own students camp, y'all. Could you put your hands together for that? That's this team. 
That's through the vision of our pastors that said we want to do something and you mentioned it right. We have GCCM and all of those churches and our CCG locations which are uh, the different various location pastors that you uh, get updates from. But uh, talk to us about, I believe you got one more that you want to talk through. Oh yeah, we got, we got, I got so many announcements but I can't go through them no. all. Uh, but there is one more thing. Talk. I'm just going to, I'm going to just hint at it. In a couple of weeks, Pastor Ben is going to be announcing yeah. something that we have coming. It's going to be, it's going to knock your socks off. Okay. I know that's like an old school term. Sorry. I'm a little old school, but <laughs> it is going to be amazing. We're so excited about this new ministry that's going to be coming in to just be a part for our families. And uh, lastly, I just want to thank, thank everyone here because what you see, this team behind me, would not be possible Come on. without your generosity, That's without right. your support. That's right. Me and my wife have been blessed by this team back here. This is our family. This isn't just a team. This is our family. And being able to do life and do ministry with them has changed the way that we move, changed the way that we dream. And that's because of your generosity. So thank you, Calvary Church, for believing in the next generation and believing in this gospel. If you got junior high, senior high, obviously your kids get ministry here. Uh, please check out uh, this next gen team. Invite your student, invite your junior high, your senior high uh, to be a part of this great ministry team right here. One more time, can you give it up for the next gen team? Thank you, Pastor Adam and Sylvia, love you. Y'all ready for God's word? Get your app out, get your Bible, and get ready for the next installment of Mature Audience Only. Before we get into today's message, I want to warn you in advance that some of the content in this series may be offensive at times, but that's okay, because growth at times requires growth pains. Prolonged immaturity is arguably the most underestimated enemy of God-given destiny. It's time to mature. So get ready for mature audiences only. Well, welcome back to our series, our nine-week series, Mature Audiences Only. So far in this series, we've talked about maturing in our message, maturing in our mind, maturing in our mouth, and maturing in our ministry. And if you have missed any of this series, please check it out at calvarychurch.cc or on the Calvary app today is a big one it really is I want to warn you again in advance that the content of today's teaching may feel offensive but we've said it over and over again that's okay because how many of you know growth requires growing pains and so today we are going to talk about growing in our motives growing in our motives so open your bibles to our theme verse first corinthians 13 first corinthians 13 and i want to read verse number 11 thank you for being here today 
at Calvary Church at one of our worship experiences. We're one church in many locations. I am so thankful for this church. And I'm grateful that we get to do life together and we get to grow in grace together. 1 Corinthians 13, verse number 11. When I was a child, I spoke about childish matters. For I saw things like a child and I reasoned like a child. But the day came when I matured and I set aside my childish ways. The day came when I matured and I set aside my childish ways. Take one of your hands, set it on your heart. I want you to say it out loud today with all you've got. Say, eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to receive, a mouth to confess, all the good things Christ has already provided for me. Church, our motives matter. In fact, if there were a dashboard that helped us monitor our own journey of maturing in our identity in Christ, one of the most, I think, important gauges you'd find there would be what I call the motives gauge. You see, it is important to gauge maturity. And it's impossible to gauge maturity solely on what we do because it's entirely possible to do all the right things for all the wrong reasons. So even more important than the what we do is the why we do it. And I understand we live in a culture that has placed a high value on being perceived as doing right, being right, looking right, regardless of whether or not our motives are wrong. And Jesus addressed the issue of motives repeatedly. He addressed the Pharisees. Over and over again, Jesus pushed aside their what, and he would address their why. Look at Matthew 23, where Jesus addresses the Pharisees, and look what he says to them. Everything they do is done for show and to be noticed by others. They want to be seen as holy. So they wear oversized prayer boxes on their arms and foreheads with scriptures inside and wear extra long tassels on their outer garments. They crave the seats of the highest honor at banquets and in their meeting places. And how they love to be admired by men with their titles of respect, aspiring to be regarded in public and have others call them reverend. So on the surface... Their what looked absolutely perfect. Are y'all getting this? In reality, their motives, Jesus says, were way off because for them, it was all about image management rather than identity maturity. 
Again, in verse 27, Jesus addresses their motives when he says this. Look at Matthew 23, verse 27. Great sorrow awaits you religious scholars and Pharisees, frauds and imposters. You are nothing more than tombs painted over with white paint. Tombs that look shining and beautiful on the outside, but you are filled with rotting corpses on the inside. So Jesus said... On the outside, everything looks right, but on the inside, it is obvious to me that your motives are way off. It's obvious that your why, your why is not to mature in humility, but to feed your ego. Because immature motives aren't concerned with growing, growing in integrity, but rather to insulate and hide insecurities. The Pharisees at that time appeared to be doing a lot of right things, but it was for all the wrong reasons. And this really highlights to me the importance of maturing church. And we've got to mature in our motives because our motives for doing something may be the most fundamental indicator of our relational, emotional, and spiritual maturity. The what indicates that we know the right thing to do, but the why indicates the maturity level of our Christ-like nature when we do it. Because one of the marks of a maturing believer is living more and more and more out of the character of Christ within us. And when it comes to the issue of our motives, I'll tell you, the opposite of maturity is not just immaturity. Watch this. It is manipulation. Yeah. A parent who has... Children of any age, I think, understands this truth. Those of you with siblings understand this truth. There are moments where a child, immaturity, a child relates to others in an emotionally mature manner that makes you incredibly proud. For example, if they're motivated by kindness to pay someone a compliment, that is a sign of maturity. But paying someone a compliment in hopes of getting your way, watch, that's called manipulation. Oh, I thought you wanted to know me. I thought you wanted to know my hopes and know my dreams. I didn't know you were just interested, you know, in sleeping with me. If they give someone a gift because they're motivated by generosity, it's evidence of maturity. But giving someone a gift because they just want people to think you're generous, watch, that's called manipulation. Are y'all getting this? Genuinely wanting to forgive someone that's hurt you is a sign of maturity. But pretending to forgive someone because you want to be perceived as whatever more spiritual than others, that's called manipulation. And my point is this, eventually the real motives always come to the surface. And in the wake of immature motives, let me tell you, you are going to find a trail 
of broken trust, broken relationships, broken marriages, broken ministries, broken hearts. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago I shared with you what I called the tale of two tables. I talked about it in week three of this series. And if you missed it, you better go back and check it out. But there's the mature table where the adults sit. And there is the immature table, right, where the kids sit. And everyone has a place at the table. Everyone starts out the same way, right, at the kids' table. But eventually, if, you know, we're growing and we're going to move from the children's table to the adult table, we have to what? We've got to mature. We've got to move from immature children. Watch what I taught you. We've got to move, the Bible says, from immature children to what? I taught you about mature sons. Do you remember the difference? Let me show you. The Bible says a child's position signifies the relationship with the father. But a son's position speaks of what? The maturity of that relationship. A son, the Bible says, manifests the character and the personality and the voice and the glory. By the way, that word glory means the views and the opinions of the father. See, Scripture makes this distinction so clear, and I gave you Romans 8, 16. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit. Thank God we are, all of us, we are children of God. But Romans 8, 14 speaks of sonship and maturity. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, it doesn't say these are children of God. It says these, they are sons of God. And it's... An, Important, I think vitally important for us to know the difference. 1 Corinthians 3 tells us that a child is immature. Romans 8 tells us that a son is grown. Galatians 4 tells us that a child is incapable of handling his inheritance. John 17 tells us a son is the master of all things given him by the father. Galatians 4 says a child must be cared for. John 6 tells us that a son cares for other. Let me tell you, the list goes on and on and on. A child is a slave. A son is a prince. A child is, is bound. A son is free. A child is a burden. A son is a burden bearer. A child is a liability. A son is an asset. A child consumes. A son is a contributor. My point is this, church. I don't mean to be hard today, but may you hear the Spirit of God. We've got to grow up, the Bible says, in Christ. Grow up into Christ in all things. Can I tell you, church, there is more to this thing than just being born again. We have been saved from something, thank God, but you have also been saved for something. God brought you out, thank God, but he didn't just bring you out. He brought you out to bring you in. You were purchased, watch, but you were also purposed. There was a divine intention that brought about our redemption. We must be moving from, the Bible says, little children to young men to fathers, the outer court, the holy place, holy of holies, Passover, Pentecost, tabernacles, 30, 60, 100, body, soul, spirit, righteousness. Are y'all getting this? Peace, joy. The problem is, the problem is many of us get saved and our entire lives 
Our testimony reflects that one moment. But there is so much more. Sons know there is so much more. It is not the blood alone that saved Israel. God said to them, after you slay the lamb, watch, put the blood on the doorpost, but then grow up. He commanded them, now you take the lamb and you eat, watch, grow up, not just the part you like, you eat the whole thing. Wow. In other words, if you really want to be saved, you've got to eat the whole lamb, not just the part of the lamb you like. He said, you got to eat the ear of the lamb so you can hear like him. You got to eat the eye of the lamb so you can see like him. You got to eat the tongue of the lamb so you can speak like him. You got to eat the heart of the lamb so you can act like him. You got to feed on the feet of the lamb so you can walk like him. You got to eat the inner workings of the lamb so you you got the inner workings of God. You got to grow up. Are y'all getting this? The bottom line is that if we're going to move from milk to meat, from the immature table to the mature table, from the kids' table to the adult table, we have got to renew our minds. In order to mature, and here's an area we've got to mature in. We've got to mature in our motives. Yeah, we've got to mature in our message and in our mind and in our mouth and in our ministry. But let me tell you something. We've got to mature in our motives. Why? Because immature motives erode relational foundations and whether it is in your family in your business in your marriage in your ministry they will replace the necessary bedrock of love and trust and integrity with a crippling culture of fear and suspicion publicly or privately whether it's our family or ministry we can't grow anything that's healthy, that's strong, or impactful without maturing in our motives and nothing will keep us stuck. If you wanna stay stuck at the kids' table, let me tell you something. Just embrace or ignore immature motives. Yeah. You see, either by discernment or the, many of you know what I'm talking about, the painful experience of dealing with immature motives. You've dealt with it in your past. People can usually, if they're grown, they can usually sniff out immature motives. Yeah, some of you know about that. And this is true of, of I don't care who it is, business leaders, you know, reviewing a resume or, or, or you, looking to make a good hire or single people who are looking to get married or even pastors or ministry leaders who are looking to identify potential, you know, leaders, uh, you know, uh, to add to their uh, team uh, with whom they can impact. We say, come on, we want to impact the earth with the gospel. Everyone's looking for people 
with pure and mature motives because motives matter. I'll tell you what I've realized in recent years. It's not the devil that's caused me most of my problems. You know what it is? It's, it's the wrong people sitting at the wrong table. So if, if I can't uh, deal with this, there will be ongoing issues. No condemnation, but you better understand. No condemnation in Christ, but you don't deal with this stuff. There'll be a whole lot of frustration in your life. So if I want to take my place at the right table, if I want to grow up, it's okay for a season. The problem is grown men with beards sitting at this table. It's time to grow up. And if I want to take my place at the mature table, and we talked about this, go back if you missed it, check it out. If I want to take my place at the mature table and have mature relationships, I got to be willing to examine and mature in my own motives. So today I'm going to equip you quickly, quickly. Because I think we're taking communion today. We're coming to the Lord's table. And we're going to take communion today. But I want to give you three attributes of a believer with mature motives. And if you're taking notes on the app, write it down. Number one, don't miss this. Mature believers. Oh, y'all aren't ready for this. Mature believers are motivated. I'm going there. They're motivated by love rather than ego. Okay. They're motivated by love rather than ego. As long as our priority is to manage our image rather than live from identity in Christ, our motivation will be ego preservation rather than Christ exaltation. But believer, you better listen to me carefully. As we mature in Christ, the Bible says we mature in love. You better hear me, God is love. It is impossible to separate those two. And the apostle Paul said it this way in Romans 13, eight, don't owe anything to anyone except your outstanding debt to continually love one another for the one who learns to love has fulfilled every requirement of the law. Can I tell you church, the number one thing that is supposed to mark each of us as believers is the way, watch, we love each other well. In fact, I'd submit to you that perhaps the greatest evidence we are maturing in Christ is proven in the way that we express the love of Christ in us to those around us. And the Apostle Paul describes the love of Christ living within us in great detail in 1 Corinthians 13. In fact, I want to contrast our maturity in Christ expressed in love against immaturity that lives to always, everybody at this table, loves to elevate ego. I want to show you the differences. Adult table, kids table. Adult table, 
love, kids' table, ego. It's time to grow up. Come on, there's got to there's be some understanding here because I'm telling you the most common lie in the church today. Do you know what it is? The most common lie in the church. Do you know what it is? I love you, brother. I love you, sister. I'd rather hear Mr. Rogers tell me that more than most church folk. Are you serious? Love and endurance go hand in hand. Don't tell me you love me if you can't stick with me. You want grown talk? Look at the difference. Love is patient. Ego is impatient because looking good is more important than loving well. Love is kind. Ego is often unkind and gives no regard to how their actions hurt other people. Kids don't care about the decisions they make and how they affect people in their life. Go on. Love doesn't compare or get jealous. <laughs> Ego is always comparing and often motivated by jealousy and what? Outdoing others. It's going to get tight, but come on, somebody. I told you we're going to get right. Are y'all getting this? Stay with me. I warned you. Y'all said you wanted a mature series. Here you go. Love doesn't pridefully boast about accomplishments. Hello, church culture. Prideful boasting is the food that ego feeds on to survive. They expect everyone's world to revolve around their agenda. <laughs> Love is not self-seeking. Ego only thinks of self at the cost of those around them. Love is not easily angered. Thank you, Jesus. Ego gets angry every time. It doesn't get its way. Or its image is threatened. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Ego keeps a long <laughs> and detailed list of wrongs and then uses them against you when the opportunity arises. Why? Because they're only interested in elevating their own image. Love rejoices with truth because the truth sets free. Ego rejects the truth. Anytime it threatens its image. Are y'all getting this today? It's awfully quiet up in here. And every once in a while, let me tell you, I've noticed that at the kids' table, we often try to mask or camouflage our ego by calling our ego-driven choices. Watch this. Wisdom. Let me tell you, the problem with that is that James, why did you write on wisdom, James? James actually describes true wisdom, the wisdom of Christ in you, and he describes it in great detail, and the attributes of wisdom never match the attributes of immature ego. Look at James 3.17. I would encourage you to read James. James is really dealing with the mature believer. Uh, you may not want to read it if you don't want to get offended. Watch this, James 3. But 
the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Stop there. A mature believer who is motivated by love is what? He is teachable. He is willing to follow. That's the word submissive. And willing to learn and mature in their identity in Christ. And one of the roles, thank you Holy Spirit, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit in us is to mature our motives and move us from being ego-driven to being motivated by love. And if I got a church thankful for the Spirit of Christ in us, clap your hands and give God praise. Come on. Somebody just say, thank you, Jesus. Wow. All right. I'll just move along. Number two, write it down. Mature believers are motivated. Watch. Okay. <laughs> By commitment rather than convenience. By commitment rather than convenience. Let me talk to you, church. Listen to me carefully. Mature believers are committed believers. Let me tell you, at the kids' table, the kids often make decisions based on how easy it is to accomplish something. But at the mature table, we realize that outside of salvation, nothing of significance is accomplished without a certain level of commitment. You will never build the life, the marriage, the career, the ministry that God's created you for until you start making decisions based on commitment rather than convenience. In John 16, Jesus said, look at this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world. You want a promise? Here's a promise. In this world, you will have some trouble. But take heart. Thank you, Jesus. I have overcome the world. See, Jesus warned us in advance that we would walk through difficult times through disappointing times, through hard times. He actually told us to expect seasons in our lives that aren't going to feel easy. But then he said, what? You better take heart. I have overcome the world. In other words, yes, you are going to walk through some tough seasons in life, but don't you dare quit just because it's hard or inconvenient because I have already overcome everything that you are going to have to walk through. And the worst, y'all aren't ready for this, and when I say it, if you believe it, give God praise. And the worst thing that could happen to you is that this season actually works out for your good. You ought to clap your hands and give God praise. Well, what if I die? Guess what, believer? You win. <laughs> and if we quit, hear me in person, hear me online. 
If we quit and stop showing up, every time it gets hard or inconvenient, we actually stunt our own growth and risk delaying both development and destiny. Because, and don't you dare forget this truth, nothing healthy can grow that doesn't stay planted. Nothing healthy will ever grow that doesn't stay planted. Why do you think the psalmist wrote, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Mature fruit is only found on planted trees. And sometimes in the face of adversity and pain, there's a very real temptation to do what a whole lot of people have done, and it's unearthed. We unearth ourselves, and we try to find easier soil in, in order to what? Avoid the issues that appear to be causing pain in our life. But here's the deal. No matter where you go, it's going to take commitment to make it go. And I can either mature where I'm planted or I can do what a whole lot of people do and that's dig myself up and take an immature version of myself to a new place to not just start over but lose the progress I made in the soil I was already in. Okay. No, no, mature believers are motivated by commitment rather than convenience. And listen to me carefully. This truth that I'm sharing with you today, I understand it. It is countercultural. Even, even in the church, and I'm talking the capital C church, it's gotten to the point that we only define, how sad is this? We only define God's favor in our lives as anything that makes me more, y'all don't want this that makes me more comfortable, that makes me more, you know, uh, happy, more uh, convenient. And in doing so, we miss some of the most important and maturing manifestations of God's good work deep in our lives. Because if every time we encounter an inconvenience or a tough assignment, my God, we decommit ourselves and all we end up with is stunting our process of maturing in our identity in Christ. Look at how James addresses this issue. James, stop it. Why are you messing with us? I took my discipleship group through James. Now I understand why one Theologian said he felt like just ripping James out of his Bible. Don't do that. James 1, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance 
finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Built into the maturity process is learning how to trust our Father, our good Father, as we walk through trials, as we walk through storms, and if we only interpret our Father's favor as comfort or convenience, then according to James, we are going to end up lacking the maturity we need to fulfill our mission because we keep interpreting favor as convenience rather than as a God-given opportunity to mature us in our identity in Christ Jesus. Can I pastor you for just a moment? Understanding God's favor means allowing ourselves to be corrected sometimes. Understanding God's favor. When I look back on the voices in my life that God put in my life to correct me and I didn't see it in the moment as favor, I look back and I say, thank God for that course correction. It kept me from a lot of heartache. It kept me from a lot of pain. Thank God for fathers in my life who spoke over me and brought correction. But I get it, I know. We got a generation now that's gonna tell you what to do and correct you. Understanding God's favor means understanding that even in discomfort and even in difficulty, God is using all of us and all of what's going on to prepare us for our destiny. Listen. As long as convenience determines our decisions, we'll always subvert our own development. Convenience is a shortcut that is actually cheating you out of the valuable journey to fulfillment. Convenience is doing God's will your way. But commitment is doing God's will God's way. Because some of you, if you really told me the prayer you pray for your life, it's more like this. God, I have a wonderful plan for your life. <laughs> and let me be clear. I, I'm, I'm not talking about your salvation. I'm not talking about your acceptance in Christ. I told you this is a maturity series. I think we've done a good job at Calvary laying a strong foundation on who you are. I'm talking about maturing now in that identity in Christ and that is impossible to do as long as we keep making choices based on what's easy versus what's hard. Is this too much? No matter how hard you try to alter your circumstances externally, no matter how you acquire new knowledge with the books you read and the coaches you hire and the little YouTube videos that you watch, none of it will go anywhere without commitment. You better listen to me carefully. When the going gets tough, kids quit, adults commit. And in the face of adversity, maturity steps up 
immaturity steps back. When you walk through battles, the immature see themselves as victims. But the mature understand that in Christ, they're already victors. See, I don't care today. Let me tell you something. I'm just talking straight from my heart. I don't care today what's going on because I'm literally looking at a miracle in this second row right here. Because my brother, eight days ago, had a stroke. And it's a miracle that he's even sitting in this worship experience today. Why aren't you clapping your hands and giving God praise? And hear me carefully today. I got a call from him. He's still there. I got a call from him last night, and I wept. And he said, everything I'm learning and understanding, there was a time I'd blame God for everything that I'm walking through and everything I'm dealing with. And I think God was mad at me, and I'm the victim, but now I understand who I am in Christ. You know what that's called? That's called maturing in your righteousness. And now I understand that God's in a good mood about me and he cares about every situation in my life. And he said the mature believer sees potential in problems and blessings and battles and providence and poverty and fruit and famine and opportunities and obstacles and creativity and chaos and possibility and impossibility and profits and misfits. If I got a church that understands it, clap your hands and give God praise. And as long as convenience is king, commitment will be absent and you'll always find yourself frustrated having immature conversations at the kids' table. Because mature believers are motivated by commitment rather than convenience, by faith over feelings. Not that feelings are bad, let me make that clear. But feelings are often based on circumstances. Watch this, faith is based on Jesus and his faithfulness. Because some of you need to hear this today. Even when you were faithless, he was faithful. He's called the author and the finisher of your faith. And mature believers are committed believers who with the help, here it is again, I'm gonna keep coming back. Thank you, Holy Spirit with the help of the Holy Spirit, will walk through hell and high water because they are committed, watch, not with just any kind of commitment. See, when Ben Daly preaches, you gotta understand, when I preach commitment, I'm talking about a commitment that comes from Mr. Commitment himself living on the inside of me. Don't think, don't, don't think, it ain't Ben Daly that's stuck with this thing. It's Ben Daly in union with the overcomer. No, don't, don't, don't think Ben Daly's just done it on his own. No, it's Ben Daly living in union with the committed one. Are y'all getting this? Take a deep breath. Y'all looking tight. Come on, somebody. Can I give you one more? Just one more. Watch this as we close and take communion together and set our eyes on the faithful. Okay. Is this grown talk? Okay, then I'll go there. I didn't know about going to this one, but I will. 
Mature believers are motivated by giving rather than getting. Okay. Remember, kids are consumers. Adults are contributors. Mature believers find incredible joy in giving. In fact, as we mature in our new born-again identity, we don't give to get. We get to give because generosity, we understand, is now a part of our new nature. The mature believer has discovered that giving actually produces fulfillment because generosity is the natural outflow of our new identity in Christ. You see, the mature table, the mature table is marked by an attitude of gratitude. We give of our time, we give of our talents, we give of our treasures, we give of our minutes, we give of our moments, we give of our money without strings attached because it's simply who we are as grown people. We're, we're most fulfilled, see we understand, we are most fulfilled when we are giving. We are most alive when we are giving. We are a, a, a people who understand that we intentionally look for opportunities to give because mature believers are motivated by giving rather than getting. Now the kids table, This is how most churches look. Watch, acting like grown people trying to do a grown work, watch, but haven't dealt with their immaturity. Called to do grown things, grown movements with children. The kids table, watch, that table marked by what? Gratitude, don't miss this. This table is always marked Watch, here's the word, by entitlement. Yeah. Thank you, baby. <laughs> One of the biggest problems with adopting an attitude of entitlement is that it is almost always offended. Listen to me carefully. The easiest believer to offend is the entitled believer. Because they live their life demanding their own way. And when their demands are not met the way they want it to be met by whoever they think is supposed to meet their demands. And most of the time, it's the leader. And they think you are supposed to meet the demands in my life. They become victims in their own minds and everyone else around them who disagrees with them will always become the villain. The most common word that you hear at this table, mine, mine, mine. 
Because the objective is always to get as much as possible while giving as little as possible. A friend of mine, I thought this was so funny, I heard him tell the story the other day. A friend of mine, he pastors in another state, was, was, was trying to explain to his three-year-old daughter, you know, about giving. And, and he said to his three-year-old daughter, he said, sweetheart, sharing is caring. And she looked up at him and said, no, daddy, sharing is not caring. Because a child defines success by everyone around them giving them what they want. See, this highlights one of the evidence, I think, of, 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 of immaturity, our own selfishness. See, I know where I'm going because in a moment we're coming to a table to remember somebody who gave everything. At the kids' table, rather than supporting those around them, their objective is to make it about their way, their agenda, their opinion, their view. And isn't it crazy? Most of the time, coming from the most immature. The loudest voices are the most immature voices. Believe me, I've seen it over the years. And they're the ones that get platformed. leading intercessory prayer, but ain't grown enough to have a relationship with their daughter-in-law. What? Leading us in worship, but living a nasty life. Leading the Bible class, leading the gospel circle, but lies to their spouse. Immaturity won't deal with the issues in our life, deep issues in their life, the kids' table, rather than supporting those around them. Their objective is what? My way, my opinion, my view, and often the only time they do give to others is if they'll think, A, it's going to make me look good, or B, if it's going to put me in a position to get more later, Maybe not now, but it's a setup for what I need later. Are y'all getting this? And this is how immaturity can ruin what could be a healthy and life-giving relationship. And when the kids at the kids' table don't get what they want, when they want it, the way they want it, then you know what they'll do? They'll just take their ball and go home. And here's the problem. They end up taking all of that with them wherever they go. And the process of maturity, they resisted before, is going to catch up to them wherever they go. I'm trying to help some sons and daughters. In fact, listen to me carefully. Listen to me, church. Be careful of people who act like a victim in a problem that they created. Is this too much for y'all today? Be careful of people 
who always act like a victim in the problems they created. Why? Because when I was a child, I spoke about childish matters for I saw things like a child and I reasoned like a child. See, mature believers give for the joy of giving. They give of themselves and their time and their resource because it's an outflow of their identity. And for the mature believer, giving is the nature of who they truly are and the Holy Spirit. Here it is again. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, take your hand, set it right here. The Holy Spirit living inside of us is ready and willing to help us shed this old nature, this old sense of what? Entitlement. And now we get to live out of a new nature of generosity, of generosity and giving of ourselves. I love what Pastor Kareem taught last week. Giving of ourselves. Next week, you do not want to miss it. You better hear me. Next week, we are going to deal. I'm moving some things around. I was going to deal with marriage and relationships, but Kim and I are working on something to do together in just a few weeks. But I'm going to deal with money. This is big. I want to help some of you. Let me tell you, we're going to deal with maturing in our money. When it comes to money matters, let me tell you something. Putting your inner child in charge carries some serious consequences. If you are ready to reinvent your financial life and stop acting like a kid, don't you de- Let me tell you something. How many of you want to prosper in every area of your life? Wave at me right now. I'm telling you, I felt strong in this season. I want to pastor you. I want to help you. I want to walk with you. I want to give you some tools. Close your eyes for just a moment. Regardless of where any of us find our motives today, mature, immature, somewhere in between, whether we're sitting at this table or that table, what you need to know today, hear your pastor, is that your worth, your value, your acceptance is not based on which table you're at, but thank God it's on the finished work of Jesus, period. So if you want to stay, if you want to stay at the kids' table the rest of your life, you can do that, watch, and it won't affect the Father's love for you and acceptance of you. However, let me tell you, it will impact every other relationship in your life, and it will result in closed doors, lost opportunities, broken relationships, broken hearts, the loss of what could have been life-giving relationships. It's going to produce frustration in your own heart. As you watch brothers and sisters in Christ mature in their motives and take their place at the mature table. No, you won't. I'll say it again. You won't experience condemnation, but you will experience frustration. And we can all relate to this. We're we're all walking this journey out. I'm, I'm on this journey with you. Believe me. I'm teaching to myself when I teach to you. But with the help of Christ in us, we are maturing in our motives. We all know this frustration. I get it that I'm talking about. And if you find yourself there today, I want to speak over your life, and I felt this strong by the Holy Spirit, I want to say three things to you. Look at me. Because of God's glorious grace, one, it's not too late. Two, He who started the good work in you, he will be faithful to 
to complete it. And three, I felt this. God can redeem lost time and missed moments. And if I got a church that believes it, clap your hands and give it. Come on, give God a good hand clap of praise. Say it out loud. Say, I believe it. And I receive it in Jesus' name. Now, before we receive communion together, hey, y'all, can we give today like grown folk? Can we give today like grown folk? I want you to prepare your generosity right now. I'm not coming to this moment about what I can get. I'm coming to this moment about what I can give. I want you to prepare your generosity right now. And after we give, we're going to celebrate around the Lord's table. And we are going to receive the, the juice and the bread. And we're going to set our eyes on the faithful one. But today, I want all of us to prepare our generosity. And let me stop by saying this. I want to say thank you to this church. There have been so many grown people mature people, not loud people, maybe not even recognized people who in this season as a church, I'm so, I'm so proud of you as your pastor. I've watched people grow up in this season and say, I don't care what I see or feel, I'm trusting God. And I want to say thank you for positioning this church to move forward in the greatest ways that we've ever been able to. And what I'm about to share with you in the next couple of weeks, let me tell you something. It's something that we've been dreaming about as a church for 10 years. I'm asking people to pull up to the table. Let's give today our very best after we give. We're gonna get our cup, get our bread ready, and we're gonna receive around the Lord's table, but thank you, church, for your generosity. A few ways you can give, those of you online, calvarychurch.cc or the app, you can set up your reoccurring giving or text to give. There's the information, or like me, old school, drop your giving in that envelope, and when the container comes by, you go ahead and give it. That's another way to give, but I wanna say thank you however you give for your maturity in this season as a church. I speak blessing over every one of the precious people of Calvary Church. May they have ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying as he's grown up this house because I believe there's a great movement that he's given us, a great movement, a gospel movement he's given us. These people are called. They have purpose. They have a God-given passion. They have so much in them. And I thank you today that we come to this moment and we say, we trust you. We trust you. I think well, we're growing in Christ. We're maturing. And part of it is in our generosity. So today we give our best and we give what's first in Jesus' name. Right after you give, get the communion elements ready and I'll receive together. Let's go ahead and give to the Lord. Welcome to Calvary. Whether this is your first time or first time in a long time, we want to say welcome home and we encourage you to pull out your phone right now. There are so many great things happening here at Calvary. Make sure to stay in the know by downloading the Calvary app. There you can give, 
check out past messages, or connect to a gospel circle. Also, make sure that you follow us on social media at Calvary Church CC to get daily encouragement and be reminded of who you are in Christ. Lastly, follow our pastors on social media, Pastors Ben and Kim Daly. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you online. your bread you have your juice we come to this moment we pull ourselves up to his table thank you for a seat at your table Jesus right there where you are in your own words just say Jesus I trust you I trust you Jesus I trust you I thank you for everything you accomplished for me I thank you for your death, your burial, your resurrection. I thank you that now I'm co-seated with you, reigning with you. And I thank you. I'm an overcomer. Life doesn't overcome me. I overcome in life. When you pull up to this table, you ought to smile. And we take this bread. We remember the lamb. We take this bread, his broken body for us by his stripes on that body. We receive our healing today. In remembrance of Jesus, go ahead and eat right now. And in remembrance of his shed blood, thank you for freedom, Jesus. Thank you. Because of this blood, we're clean. We're right, righteous, right. We're right. You've made us good enough for your goodness. We're righteous. You're not guilty. You're entirely pleasing to God. That's where you say, thank you, Jesus. Say it out loud. Say, I drink in remembrance of you, Jesus. Now go ahead and drink. May you walk in his favor and in his grace and in his blessing this week. May you keep your eyes on him. And I thank you, Jesus, for a maturing church. I thank you and I give you praise. As we walk out, would you sing that song again? Jaira, you are enough. God bless you, church. Have a great week. I love you. We encourage you to live generously and give generously. You can do that right there online on our app by searching and downloading Calvary Church CC. You can give on our website or you can text to give by texting Calvary IRV followed by the amount to 833-245-6183. And I encourage you to set up your reoccurring giving. Calvary, let's remain consistent and faithful in the face of inconsistency.
Good morning, everyone online, and thank you so much for tuning in to the Calvary Online Experience. Welcome home. My name is Pastor Eli Emiliano, and joining me today is one of our amazing elders. Amigo, welcome, welcome. And if you could please introduce yourself to the listening audience, and besides being an elder here at Calvary, what else do you serve in here at Calvary? Brother, thank you so much. I'm excited to be with you today. Uh, my name is Joe Velasquez, and I have uh, the privilege and honor to serve in the Gospel Institute Advisory Council. And then also, my wife and I host a gospel circle at home. I'm wow. excited about this season, wow. excited about what's happening here at Calvary. Yes, it is an exciting time here at Calvary. Thank you so much, Joe and Church. Both Joe and I cannot wait to worship with you today. Now, before we jump into our worship experience, I want to say, don't forget that there's just something special about gathering together in person to worship as one church. So it's not too late. There's still some time. We want to personally invite you to come out to one of our Calvary locations for an in-person worship experience. Remember, we are one church in multiple locations that we want to meet you, welcome you, and worship with you in person because it's truly not the same without you. Here at our Irving location, we have three weekend worship experiences, our 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and we're so excited about the 5 p.m. Our 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. worship experiences are for everybody. But if you're youth or a young adult, please come out tonight to our 5 p.m. worship experience called The Five. The Five is a mix between gospel circles and a weekend worship experience. But most importantly, it's where you can build community with people your age and worship and re be reminded of your union with Christ. That and a whole lot more is all happening every Sunday at 5 p.m. And just a quick reminder, today, church, we are celebrating our common union with Christ. That's right. We're taking communion later 
during our worship experience. So grab your bread, grab your juice, gather the family, and get ready to remember the goodness of Christ. Joe, as you mentioned uh, earlier, you serve on the Advisory Council of Gospel Institute. We're so excited about Gospel Institute. Can you briefly talk to us about the value and the the importance of of Gospel Institute in our daily life as we grow in grace? You know, uh, absolutely. And and I'll start with this question: um, Do you love the gospel? Would you love wow. to grow in it yes. and learn more about what we preach here at Calvary? Mm-hmm. If uh, if that's you, then I invite you. We want to invite everybody to sign up for the Gospel Institute. It's full of online classes yes. and teachings that explain in depth what the gospel is and what we preach here at Calvary. Yeah. You want to find out more, go to the Calvary app and also you can find information at calvarychurch.cc. Yes, yes, amazing. It's easy, user-friendly, and it's self-paced as well. So it's, it's amazing. So Joe, also you and your lovely wife, Ruby, you guys host a gospel circle. And that's another one of our big you know, things here at Calvary getting together in small groups. Talk to us about your experience as not only being part of one, but hosting one as well. Yes, and and you know, brother, here at Calvary, we believe that you were not created, we were not created to live life alone. That's right. And if you're looking for community to do life with, then sign up for our spring season of Gospel Circle. Mm -hmm. Gospel Circles are held in coffee shops, at homes, and location and spaces all through the Metroplex, in fact, uh, around the country. To sign up again, I invite you, go to the Calvary app and find your gospel circle today. That's awesome. People are using their iPads, their phones, TVs, just everything, their computers and gathering people around it and having these gospel circles. I, I love it. I love it. Now, right before we hop into the message, please know that your generosity allows us to make an impact in the lives of everyone every day everywhere. Don't miss out on the opportunity to live generously and give generously today by giving on our safe and secure Calvary app or on calvarychurch.cc. Church, wherever you are watching from, we believe that you are watching for a reason. Our lead pastor, Ben Daly, opens every one of his messages declaring that those listening would have eyes to see, ears to hear, a mouth to confess, and a heart to receive all the good things that Christ has provided for you. And that is our prayer for you. Joe, thank you so much for being with me today. And church, thank you for joining us this morning. And again, we cannot wait to worship with you. If you missed last week, go back and check it out. But until then, We want to make sure you're caught up and ready to go into today's message. So check out this short recap of last week, and we'll see you in a bit. today that those critical, judgmental, or condemning voices, those aren't God's voice. Because the Holy Spirit isn't a fault finder. His job isn't to highlight your imperfections or your shortcomings. That's not what he does. In fact, the Holy Spirit's nature is the exact opposite. He's an encourager. He strengthens you. He loves you. And he intentionally points out all the things that are right about you. Today, we're going to talk about what it means to mature in our ministry. Jesus wasn't great 
because of his willingness to lead. Jesus was great because of his willingness to serve. We don't serve for identity, we serve from identity. If you're convinced that you have to do something great in order to become somebody, then what you're saying is when you start out, you're nobody. Is that the message we want to tell our kids? That they're nobody until they do something great? Come on, fathers. Would you go home and tell your little baby, you ain't nobody in this house so you pay this rent? When the father said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, Jesus hadn't worked any of those miracles. He had not raised the dead. He had not healed the sick. He had not fed the multitudes. Before he did anything significant, he was already pleasing to his father. And it's the same for you today. You do not have to perform to receive his identity and his approval. You're already pleasing to him.
church, why don't you stand and worship with us? When night has fallen, when fear is calm, still you're calling me. When faith is lost, my hope exhausted, you will be my strength. When my mind says I'm not good enough, God, you're enough for me. I've decided I'm not giving up, cause you won't give up on me. No, you won't give up on me. And your love is holding on and it won't let go. Keep repeating promises to me. Now there's no stopping what you have started until it is complete. And when my mind says I'm not good enough, God, you're enough for me. And I've decided. For me, and I've decided I'm not giving up. Cause you won't give up on me, you won't give up on me. Come on, your love is holding on, and it won't let go. I feel it breaking out like an echo. And your love is holding on, and it won't let go. I feel it breaking out, breaking out.
love your name today. Jesus, you're beautiful, you're wonderful. And we lift up our hands in worship. Come on, let's sing it together. Yeah. 
your hands and lift up worship today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, we're so impressed with how beautiful you are. For the next few moments, lift up your hands in his presence. Jesus, we are so impressed with how beautiful you are. While your hands are lifted, I want you to say it out loud. Say, he can, he can. and he will. And he will. Try it again. Say, he can, he can. And, he will. and he will. Now clap your hands and give God praise. Come on. He can and he will. He can and he will. In just a moment, I'm going to ask the worship team, Calvary Worship, to sing that song I like called Believe For It. I think there's something on it today. Believe For It. Say it out loud. He can. He can. And he will. And he will. Mark chapter 5. I love that story. It's called The Woman With The Issue Of Blood. Listen to this verse, verse 28 and verse 29. She said, if only I may touch Jesus' clothes, I shall be made whole. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. I'm going to stop there because I want to touch on this reality. He can and he will some of you are here today or you're joining us online and you've heard someone say this well I'll believe it only when I see it I'll believe it only when I see it and I want you to know that is the way the world works but God's ways aren't like the ways of the world and his thoughts aren't like the thoughts of the world thank God believer you aren't the world his ways are your ways and his thoughts are your thoughts but the world says if I can't feel it if I can't see it then I can't believe it I can't believe the miracles here God says if you believe it before you feel it or see it you will experience it Believing first before seeing or feeling the evidence of, of what we're believing for. Do you know what that's called? It's called faith. Faith, let me say it like this. Faith is like a spark and Jesus is the dynamite power. Um, in, that, in that story of healing here of, of the woman with the issue of blood, there were many people who touched Jesus, but nothing happened to them. They didn't touch him in, in faith. But when the woman who'd been bleeding for 12 years came to him and touched him in faith, the Bible says that he felt power leave his body. It's like it sparked off an explosion of healing in this woman's body. Right. Hearing about how good hearing about how kind hearing about how loving that's why you've got to hear the gospel over and over and over and over and over again hearing that's how faith comes hearing about all of this like fired her faith to believe that he could and he would 
healer. So she was so convinced that I want to read what she said. Even when the condition in her body was still evident. Look what she said. If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be, I will be made well. Did she experience her healing first before she believed? No, she believed first in Jesus's goodness, in his beauty, in his power. Then the Bible says she acted in faith and only then experienced healing in her body. Now I'm going to ask some of our pastors and elders to position themselves right now because I'm believing today for healing. I'm going to sing that song. We're going to sing that song together. Believe for it. But today I just want to declare that God wants you to believe in his goodness and his love and his beauty toward you. He wants you to know how willing he is today to act on your behalf to bless you and how with Christ he will freely give you, the Bible says, every good thing. With your hands lifted, say it out loud. Say he can. He can. And he will. And he will. Try it again. Say he can. He can. And he will. And he will. Where do I get that? Romans 8, 32. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Yes, he will. He can and he will. Say it again. He can and he will. Say it again. He can and he will. He can and he will. He can and he will. Do, do, do you need God to act today on, on your behalf in a certain area of your life? I don't know what it is. Maybe today you say it's in my health. Or some of you it's in my mind. Or some of you it's in my marriage. Or it's in a relationship that is dear to me. Or it's in my finances. Today God wants you to declare by faith that all is and shall be well because he can and he will. He can and he will. And then no matter how long you've been dealing with the problem or no matter how bad the experts, you know, say it is or whatever you're seeing or feeling, whatever. Today, our pastors and some of our elders just want to declare. We're declaring today an explosion of healing, an explosion of restoration to take place. And I declare, lift up your hands, you will receive what you are believing for because today you believe he can and he will. And if you do, clap your hands and give God praise. Come on. Come on, you can do better than that. Give God praise. Lift up your hands. We want to declare over you right now in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for the reminder this morning that you can and you will. Yes. You're not just able, you're willing. Yeah. I thank you, Father, that in you, in our union with Christ today, we lack no good Say. thing. I thank you as believers today, we lack no good, no good thing. thing. We have the mind of Christ. I thank you today we are not limited in you today. I pray for those today that are sick in body physically. Yes. 
I ask, Lord, today that you would remind them that you are their great physician. You are their healer. I thank you, Lord, that you paid for their healing today. I thank you, Lord, that you are their healer in their mind and their emotions yes. for those that are experiencing anxiety. I thank you, Lord, that you are their peace today. I thank you, Father, for those that are believing for provision, whether it be in their finances or in restoration of relationships. I thank you, Lord, that you are their provider. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are enough in their situations today. I pray, Lord, that our focus would not be on our circumstances in the natural, but our attention and our eyes would be upon you today. I thank you, Lord, today you are our joy. You are our sufficiency. I thank you, Father, that you are our peace. And Father, I pray for every person today that is believing for restoration yes. in, in, in marriages yes. or relationships for those yes. that have been hurt deeply by betrayal. I, I pray, Father, that you would just touch them, that you would bring healing, healing. of restoration healing. in relationships. And I thank you, Lord, again, for just the reminder that you're able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond anything that, that we're asking, believing, praying for, believing, dreaming up or imagining according to the power that works within us, the power that you place within us as believers. We thank you, you place it in us today. You, we're not alone. I thank you for your Holy Spirit, you, your Jesus. sweet, Holy Spirit, you've not left us to navigate this life alone. You've empowered us, Lord. We thank you. We're overcomers in Christ today. Amen, amen. and amen. amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. There's a wonderful anointing today. Just lift up your hands. I want you to take three deep breaths. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. In this moment, we believe you can and you will. As we continue in this moment of worship, we want to declare that over your life today, an explosion of healing and restoration. Lower floor, upper tier, if you need prayer today, as we sing this song, believe it. I want you to get out of your seat, come down here. We're going to declare it over your life. The rest of us, come on, lift up your hands. Let's worship.
gospel circles we have more than 40 gospel circles that you can choose from you might be wondering with so many gospel circles how do i know which one to go to let me show you the first thing you're going to want to do is go to the calvary church app or calvarychurch.cc i'll be showing you how to do it on the app but it's pretty much the same on the website next tap gospel circles once you've done that you have the option to enter your zip code now i can see a few gospel circles near me once I find one I like, I can just tap RSVP and fill out my info. If you attend a gospel circle and it's not exactly your vibe, that's totally okay. Just go to the Calvary app, enter your zip code, and RSVP for another until you find one that's a good fit. We can't wait to watch so many grow in grace this season. Have you ever wondered how to get connected at Calvary? Found yourself wanting to know more about what we believe? 
We offer the opportunity to learn these things and more in our live Grace Walk class. Sign up on the Calvary app and learn how to get connected. Learn who we are as a church, who you are as a believer, how we live as believers, and how we can change our world. Join us for encouragement, empowerment, and maybe even breakfast every second Sunday at 8.45 a.m. in the Grace Walk room. Good morning, Calvary Church, and welcome to this 11 a.m. worship experience. Can y'all do me a favor? Can you put your hands together for all of our guests who are visiting in person? Got to talk to some of you in the lobby. And for some of our guests online, we're glad that you are here. Our fine-looking hosts are going to make their way up the aisle. If you didn't receive the communion elements when you came in, please uh, just signal them and they'll get one to you. We will participate uh, in communion corporately a little bit later in the worship experience. Man, I wanted to just come behind that video you saw a moment ago for Gospel Circles. Can I just emphasize that for you? If you have not been a part of a Gospel Circle, this is not just something we do as a church, please hear me. It's something we are. Our pastors have made it clear that this is something that we're gonna grow in smaller settings together hearing the gospel, being able to ask questions. My, my prayer is that you and your family would go online or the app. Uh, it's simple. You find it. I, I'm not going to rehash it. It'll search where you are by zip code. It'll plug you into the closest gospel circle. But I hope you do make use of that. I want to do something very quickly, and then I want to jump into the word. But can I have uh, Pastor Adam Cahey and your lovely wife, Sylvia, come out here? Can you give it up for our next-gen lead? and this entire next-gen team. We wanted you guys to be able to see the team that's working with your kids and your students. This is uh, a homegrown family here at Calvary Church, and we're blessed to have you on the lead team. Pastor Adam, would you introduce some of this team and talk to us, talk to the church, give us an update on what the next-gen team is, is doing. Yes, sir. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Chris, and thank you, Pastors Ben and Kim, just for believing in us, believing in this team, and continuing to just encourage us in this message. It's so powerful, and this team right here is a picture of what this message does, yeah. and everyone back here, I'll just tell you that they are incredible. They've been, this is years in the making. God has brought this team together, Pastor Chris, That's right. and they're all from in the house. Come on. These are people that grew up in this message, walked this out, and they're here with us on team now. Give it up for them, but we'll start right here over to my right. This is our amazing and incredible senior high pastor team. This is Pastor Q and Pastor Anthony. Come on, give it up for our Beautiful senior high pastors. Right been with me for years, and uh, now they are stepping into this role. They are called to these students. They're called to high school students. So if you have Come on. students in high school specifically, get them connected with this amazing couple. They're overseeing the five. You can see them tonight at the five, and they want to connect with you. So good. Love this couple. Right here next to them, we have my good friend. This is Pastor Roman Cantu. He and Come his on. wife, Kellen, are our junior high pastors. Give them a round of applause. Come on. So good looking. His wife is home today enjoying their newborn baby, and uh, they're such a gift to us, but they oversee our junior high. So any junior high or middle school students, they meet every Sunday morning at 9 and 11 a.m. right up in our junior high room. They'll be there today. Make sure you connect with this good-looking guy. Hey, real quick, how long have you been at Calvary, Pastor Roman? My whole life. My whole life. His entire life. You're going to hear the message about planted things grow. This is an example of that, him and his wife. 
Absolutely. Sorry, I had to throw that in no, there. No, we had to. I will say there's something about that because this team, they're also hosting a gospel circle for students Come on. on Monday nights at 7 p.m. So get your students plugged in with them. It's good. You won't, you won't regret it at all. But hey, another right. long time Calvary. Come long on. time. Man, I'm telling you, every single one of these guys, we could talk forever. I got to be careful. But this is Pastor LaToya. She is our early children's pastor. Give it up for her. I hear some Arlington crew. There's some people that know Pastor LaToya has been in the house for years. She's raised some of your children. She is phenomenal, and she continues to do that every Sunday right here, and she helps us in the park and the nursery. Give it up one more time for Pastor LaToya. Love you. And then right here, this is the last member I'll introduce today. This is Alyssa Garcia. She is our next-gen assistant. She's the newest member to our team, and she is holding it all together. She's the glue that connects us and keeps this guy and this, this woman so happy because whenever I'm in a good mood, my wife's in a good mood, it's just, it's just continuous. So thank you so much. <laughs> she blesses us beyond. But give it up for this team one Come more on. time. Now, now, Pastor Adam, before we transition into the message, and what a great team, what a great team. Thank you for blessing us with your leadership and taking care of our kids. Thank you. Uh, Pastor Adam, you're a gift in this house. I know Pastor Ben and Kim, uh, they've, they've opened the door and really let you rise in this place and entrusted a lot to you. Real quick, we're doing something that we've never done before uh, with our students. Talk to us about that just real briefly so folks can know. Oh yeah, definitely. This summer, we are hosting our very own Calvary Students Camp that is going to be based on this on the gospel. It's going to be centered in the fact that we are in union with Christ and talking to that, speaking to it. But we're hosting it ourselves along with our partners in GCCM, which is our network of ministries and churches that Pastor Ben and Kim have, have brought together, and it's going to be amazing. Absolutely. So GCCM, there's over 100 churches that uh, connect with your pastor, my pastor, our pastor. Pastor, Pastor Ben and Kim, and those churches are going to connect in. But I don't know if you heard this. We've never done our own students camp. We've always gone to something. So we're creating our own. And if you could put your hands together for this team one more time, just for their leadership. We love you. Are y'all ready for God's word? Go ahead and take your app out and your Bible and get ready for the next installment of Mature Audiences Only. Before we get into today's message, I want to warn you in advance that some of the content in this series may be offensive at times, but that's okay because growth at times requires growth pains. Prolonged immaturity is arguably the most underestimated enemy of God-given destiny. It's time to mature. So get ready for mature audiences only. back to our nine-week series we've called Mature Audiences Only. And so far in this series, I think you know by now, we've talked about maturing in our message, maturing in our mind, maturing in our mouth, maturing in our ministry. And I want to say this, if you have missed any of this series, go online, calvarychurch.cc, or use the Calvary Church app. And you need to check it out. If you've missed any of it, you have missed some really good stuff. 
I'm going to warn you in advance, and I've said it over and over and over again, that the content of today's teaching uh, may feel offensive uh, to some of you, but that's okay because how many of you know growth requires growing pains? Come on. So say it out loud. Say, I'm growing up. Come on. Try it again. Say, I'm growing up. So this is a big one, y'all. This is a big one today, but I'm going to stay with it. I have fought all week long saying, should I do it? Well, y'all, I'm doing it. So somebody say, preach, pastor. Come on. We're going to talk about maturing in our motives. Maturing in our motives. So open your Bible, if you will, to our theme verse, 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. I want to read verse number 11. Thank you so very much for being a part of a worship experience today. Mad props to all of you that believe in the power of gathering in your local church. You are an amazing church. I told 9 o'clock, I'm telling 11, you are an amazing church. That you are in this place worshiping God after a snowstorm. Come on, somebody. You are in the right place today. And thank you for being here. I honor you. And a shout out to those of you that are joining us today online, but I want to see you in the house next week. 1 Corinthians 13, verse number 11. When I was a child, I spoke about childish matters. For I saw things like a child and I reasoned like a child. But the day came when I matured. It's okay to sit at the kid's table for a season. Thank God for the ministry of this church. We believe in ministering to our children. But how many of you know there's a problem when I'm still sitting at the kid's table grown with a beard? <laughs> at some point, we mature and we move to the adult table. The day came when I matured and when I matured and as I am maturing more and more and more, look at this, I am setting aside my childish ways. Take one of your hands, set it on your heart, say it out loud with all you got. Say, eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to receive, a mouth to confess, all the good things, all the good things Christ has already provided for me. Church, I want to start by simply saying this, our motives matter. In fact, if there were a dashboard that helped us monitor our own journey of maturing in our identity in Christ Jesus, I think one of the most important gauges you'd find would be what I call the motives gauge. You see, it is possible uh, to go along in life and not pay attention to this gauge. And I would say this, it is impossible to gauge maturity solely on what we do because I have realized 
that it's entirely possible to do all of the right things, watch for all the wrong reasons. So even more important than what we do, church, is why we do what we do. And we live in a culture, I get it, I know what I'm up against. We live in a culture, and when I say culture, I'm not just talking about this world's culture, I'm talking about how it's even seeped into the church. We live in a culture that's placed a high value on being perceived as doing right, being right, looking right, regardless of whether or not our motives are wrong. And Jesus had to address this issue over and over again with a group of leaders in the church called the Pharisees. These were church folk. And Jesus pushes aside their what and addresses their why. And look what he says in Matthew 25, beginning at verse 5. He says, hey, church, everything they do is done for show. Everything they do is to be noticed and seen on their social media platforms. Doesn't say that, but I added that. They want to be seen as holy. So they put filters on everything. They wear oversized prayer boxes on their arms and foreheads with scriptures inside. And they wear extra long tassels on their outer garments. And they crave, you know, the seats of highest honor at banquets and their meeting places and how they love to be admired by men with their titles of respect, aspiring to be recognized in public, and they love it when other people call them reverend. On the surface, watch, their what looked absolutely perfect. In reality, y'all, their motives were way off because for them, Watch this. <laughs> it was all about image management. Hello, church. It was all about image management rather than identity maturity. Verse 27, Jesus addresses their motives. Great sorrow awaits you religious scholars and Pharisees. Boy, here's a message Jesus preached. You frauds, you imposters. You're nothing more than tombs painted over with white paint. Tombs that look shining and beautiful on the outside, he says, but the inside is filled with rotting corpses. Jesus said, on the outside, everything looks right. But on the inside, it's obvious to me, he's telling them, that your motives are off. It's obvious that your why is not to mature in love, not to mature in humility. Watch. But it's all about feeding your ego. Yeah, about that, that's about the response I thought I was going to get through this whole series but I'm going to stay with it. Come on. Because immature motives aren't concerned at all with growing in integrity, but rather I'm going to isolate, I'm going to hide my insecurities, and I'm not going to deal with my stuff, and I'm not going to address my pain. 
The Pharisees at that time appeared to be doing a lot of right things. Watch. But they did a lot of right things for all the wrong reasons. And this highlights to me, church, the importance of maturing in all of these areas that we're dealing with the start of this year. Because I think the last few years have revealed, well, it's COVID that caused it. No, COVID didn't cause anything. COVID just revealed a lot of pre-existing conditions in our life. A lot of deep heart issues. A lot of growing up. I know we said we a grown church, but I think we realize real quick, we got a lot of immaturity to deal with. And it highlights the importance of maturing in this area called motives because our motive for doing something may be, I think, the most fundamental indicator of our relational maturity, our emotional maturity, our spiritual maturity. As a matter of fact, I don't think you can be spiritually mature and emotionally unhealthy. Y'all ain't getting this. No, I'm talking about grown folk that are leading ministries, leading intercessory prayer, but can't get along with their daughter-in-law. Something's wrong. Grow up. Leading a gospel circle, 50 years old, leading a gospel circle, and still can't deal with your porn issue. 50 years old, still can't deal with it. Something's wrong. Leading something on the platform, leading us in worship, but living nasty. Something's wrong. We love talking about what we got. The, 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 the issue is that we got to grow up in this thing and manifest what we got. I'm working out what I've got on the inside of me. The what indicates that we know the right thing to do. See, that's the deal. Church folk know the right thing to do, know the right thing to say, but the why indicates the maturity level of our Christ-like nature when we do it. Because one of the marks of a maturing believer is living more and more and more and more and more out of our new character in Christ Jesus in us. And when it comes to the issue of our motives, watch this. The opposite of maturity is not just immaturity. It's a word manipulation. Okay. 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 I think parents understand this sometimes with our kids. I think we understand in relationships that we've had, you know, there, there are moments where, you know, a child, again, immature, you know, a child relates to others. And we would say, well, look, at he's a little man. Look at how he's acting like a little man, you know. He's, he's so mature, you know, in his manners because, you know, like, like in their motives to be kind, right, to, to, to pay someone a compliment. Oh, look at that. He's growing up. What a sign of maturity. But paying someone a compliment in hopes of getting your own way, okay, that's called manipulation. Oh, I thought you wanted to build a relationship with me. I thought you wanted to know my hopes and dreams. I didn't know you just wanted to have sex with me. 
Okay, okay, that's what I thought. I'll keep going. If you, if you give someone a gift because they're motivated by generosity, well, it's time to give. Let's give that gift. And I'm motivated by generosity. That's called maturity. But if I give a gift so that somebody thinks I'm really generous and really spiritual and a whole lot of people in the church, how sad is this? They give gifts to be seen and be given positions. I've had people sit down with me and say, Pastor, I can't believe you would say something like that, you know, talking about this or talking about that. You know, I think I might just pull my giving. Well, then why were you giving in the first place? One day I was sitting in a meeting with my pastor, Don George, who, by the way, he's old school leadership. A whole lot of you young folk couldn't sit under that kind of leadership. You've been crushed in about three months. But I sat with him for nearly 30 years. And I sat in a meeting at a table where a man slid a check across the table and said, I'll give you this check. And some of you, if you saw the check, you would have choked. I'll give you this check if you do this. And I sat there, I said, again, I'm the immature one. Oh my God. <laughs> and I watched my pastor slide that check back across the table and said, I've never done anything. Oh, y'all don't want this. I can't be bought. I can't be bought. I do what God tells me to do. I'm not going to buy me or buy this ministry. If God told me to do it, I would do it. But I'm not going to take this and then be stuck to you having to do something because you manipulating me. And I sat at the table and said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Genuinely forgiving someone that's hurt you, that's a sign of maturity. But pretending to forgive someone because you want to be perceived like you got it together. Like you literally devastated someone's life and you think because you just said, sorry. Pretending to be more spiritual than others. That's not called maturity, that's called manipulation. Let me tell you something, real motives may not be today, may not be tomorrow, but you better hear me. Give it some time. Real motives will always come to the surface. And in the wake of immature motives, let me tell you what you're going to find. Listen to me. Well, I'm following him because he's grown. Well, I'm following her because they grown. Really? Look, look behind them. Look in their wake. Broken trust. Broken marriages. Broken ministries, broken relationships, broken hearts. Do y'all remember? I talked to you about the tale of two tables. And if you missed it, go back and watch week three of this series. There are tables I talked about, and there's the mature table, right? When I was growing up, we had the mature table 
where the adults sat, and then we had the kids' table, and everyone thanks, thank God everybody's got a place. That's, I love that. Every, everybody's got a place at a table. Everyone starts out the same way. You know, when I was a child, I, I am a child. And we start out at the, at, the, at the table. But eventually, I put those things away. And, and, and then if I want to move forward, if I want to move from the children's table to the adult table, I've got to mature. That's the issue. I had to mature. So, so we have to move from immature children to mature sons. The problem for a whole lot of us, and it took me a long time to get it, it's not the devil. I've had the wrong people sitting at wrong table. Wanting to do a grown work, but have kids at the table. Talking like kids, reasoning like kids, fighting like kids, manipulating like kids. Trying to do a grown work. We grow up, the Bible says, from children to sons. And by the way, what did I tell you? Sonship in the kingdom has nothing to do with gender. It has to do with your position. Sonship. Matter of fact, Paul said we're all sons. And I've told you, ladies, if I have to be the bride of Christ, you can be the son of God. But from children to sons. A child's position signifies what? A child. Well, I have a relationship with the Father. Wonderful. The church is full of it. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. We all are. But sonship, yeah, that speaks of the maturity of that relationship. Children become sons. A son is different than a child. Because of this table, I don't always act like my father. But when I grow in that relationship and pull my seat up to the table, a son manifests the character. A son manifests the, the personality. A son manifests the voice. A, a son manifests the glory. By the way, glory means what? God's view, God's opinion. If you want to know a son of God, they will manifest the views and opinions of God. Oh, there's a difference, and Scripture makes it clear. Because you look in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, it says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Okay, great. We are children of God. And everybody out loud say, Thank you, Jesus. But Romans 8 verse 14 speaks of sonship and maturity. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God. It does not say these are children of God. It said these are sons of God. And it breaks my heart to see the church, the body of Christ, watch, being led by children. And it's vitally important that you know the difference because 1 Corinthians 3 tells us that a child is immature. Romans 8 tells us that a son is full grown. Galatians 4 tells us that a child is incapable of handling his inheritance. That's why we don't use glass plates at this table. Why? Because a child don't know how to handle what's precious. Some of you don't realize you put your heart into the hands of a child. I know he said he was grown. I know he had a beard. I know he had a job. But he's still a child. Y'all don't want this. A son is the master of all things given to him. 
Ephesians 4 says a child must be cared for. John 6 says a son cares for other. And the list could go on and on and on. I could preach it for weeks that a child is a slave, but a son is a prince. That a child is bound, but a son is free. That a child is a burden, but a son is a burden bearer. That a child is a liability, but a son is an asset. That a child is a consumer, but a son is a contributor. Hey, hey, we've got to grow up in Christ Jesus. Grow up into him. All things in Christ Jesus. Grow up. Hey, there's more to this thing than just being born again. Yeah, I know, I know. Children know they've been saved from something, but a son knows he's been saved for something. I get it, I know. A child knows that God brought him out, watch. But a son knows he's bringing me in. Oh, I get it. I know a child knows that he was purchased, but a son knows he was purposed. There was a divine intention that brought about our redemption. That's why the Bible says we're moving, 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 we're moving from, watch, little children, Paul says, two young men, two fathers. We're moving from the outer court to the holy place, to the holy of holies. We're moving from Passover to uh, Pentecost to tabernacle. We're moving from 30-fold to 60-fold to 100-fold. We're moving from body, soul, spirit. We're moving from righteousness, peace, joy. We're moving from, we're moving from to, we're moving from to. The problem is, and don't miss this, many of us get saved and our entire lives, our testimony only reflects that one moment. That's like talking to somebody, how are you? Oh, I'm good. I'll tell you one of the greatest days of my life. Can I show you, a grown man, can I show you my baby picture? <laughs> There's more to your life that makes up your life than that moment when you were born. Yeah, I know, thank God you were born again. But sons know there's more. And it's not the blood alone that saved Israel. You study it out. You want some grown teaching? You want to move from milk to meat? God said to them, after you slay the lamb, he said, you put the blood on your doorpost. But then what did he do? He moved on and he commanded them, now I'm going to give you some grown stuff. Now you take the lamb and you cook it. And he said, I want you to eat the whole thing. In other words, if you really want to be saved, you're going to have to eat the whole lamb. Grow up, not just the part that you like. You got to eat the ear so you can hear like him. You got to eat the eyes so you can see like him. You got to eat the tongue so you can speak like him. You got to eat the heart so you can act like him. You got to eat the feet so you can walk like him. You got to eat the inner workings of the lamb so you can know the inner workings of God. If I got a church that's ready for me, clap your hands and give God praise. Chris Aon, that's grown preaching. We eat nothing but mutton. Come on, somebody. The bottom line is that if we're going to move from milk to meat, from the immature, the kid's table, to the mature, the adult table, we must be renewing our minds to what? To these truths. 
Things like motive. Motive, why is this so important? Because immature motives are eroding our relational foundations. And, 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 and I don't care whether it's in your family or in a business or in a church or in a, a, a marriage. This stuff will replace the necessary bedrock of love and trust and integrity with, with crippling culture. Most of our relationships are nothing but mistrust and suspicion and fear. Publicly or privately, whether, whether it's our family or ministry, we can't grow anything that's healthy. We can't grow anything that's strong or impactful without maturing. And it's going to take maturing in our motives and nothing will keep us stuck at the kid's table like what? Like embracing or ignoring immature motives. You see, either by discernment, which some of us have that, but the reality is most of us, it's just the painful experience of, of, of being surrounded with people with the wrong motives. Dealing with immature motives in the past. And I get it, people can sniff this stuff out. They can sniff it out. So if, 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 I, wanna, if I wanna take my place now, and I wanna begin to take my place at the mature table, if you missed week three, you need to go back and watch it. Because if you're ready to move to this table and mature in your relationships, you gotta be willing to examine your motives. And I'm gonna go ahead and talk about it and I want to equip you with three things quickly, and then we're going to gather around the Lord's table and receive communion. Three attributes of a believer, and I know I could give you more, but these are three big ones that have been in my heart. Three attributes of a believer with mature motives. The notes are in the app. Number one, can I go there out loud and say yes? yes? Okay, you said yes. Mature believers, and if you ain't sitting next to one, don't look at them. Just keep looking at me because we're all growing. We're all in the process. Believe me, I thank God for Calvary Church. I've been back in this place for 15 years. And let me tell you, some of the greatest people in this church have been people who have allowed me to mature. Because believe me, when I came back as a young man, I was very immature. Shouldn't have been given the opportunities I was given, but somebody saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself. And believe me, there were days he said, go to the other table. Watch, and I did. The problem is you tell most people that, they'll leave. And stunt their growth. Okay. Number one, mature believers are motivated by love rather than ego. As long as our priority is to do what our current culture is, which is to just manage image rather than live from identity in Christ, our motivation will always be, hello church, our motivation sadly has become ego preservation rather than Christ exaltation. But believer, listen to me carefully. As we mature in Christ, 
We mature in love. God is love. It is impossible to separate the two. And the Apostle Paul said it this way in Romans 13. Don't owe anything to anyone except your outstanding debt to what? To continually love one another. Love one another. For the one who learns to love has fulfilled every requirement of the law. Church, can I tell you the number one thing that's supposed to mark each of us as a true believer? I didn't say just any kind of believer. A true believer is the way that we love each other well. Even though there are things we disagree about, we learn to love each other well. I've never seen so much division in the church. Everybody divided about everything. People divided about politics. People divided about race. People divided about wear this, don't wear that, do this, don't do that, close down, open up, just divided about everything. In fact, I'd submit to you that perhaps the greatest evidence that we are maturing in Christ is proven in the way that we express love, the love of Christ in us to the world around us. And the Apostle Paul I know this is hard and heavy, but you better hear me, church. Paul describes the love of Christ living within us in great detail. It's called the love of Christ. But oh, what a love that can be manifested in and through us. In 1 Corinthians 13, they call it the love chapter. But in fact, I, I just want to contrast quickly. I wish I could preach on every one of these, but I can't. But he contrasts our maturity in Christ expressed in love against the immaturity that lives in elevated ego when we elevate ego and there's going to be you better hear me this is going to take some it's going <laughs> it's going to take some endurance y'all better hear me you you, you listen to me it, stay with me don't don't sign out don't sign out i know love is the adult table ego's the kids table i know where we want to stay but i'm talking grown table today and i get it i know the most the most common lie the most common lie in the church that is said over and over and over again. I love you. I love you, brother. I love you, sister. Let me tell you something. I'd rather hear Mr. Rogers say it to me than most church folk. Because I told you love and endurance go hand in hand. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Don't you tell me you love me if you can't stick with me. Yeah, that's about what I thought I'd get. I don't care. I don't care. Love is, what is, what does Paul say? Love is patient. Watch. Ego is impatient because looking good is more important than loving well. Love is kind. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. You were kind to me. You were patient with me. Ego is often unkind and gives no regard to how their actions hurt other people. Kids don't care about what they do and how it hurts and affects anybody because they only care about themselves. Grown people understand that my actions will affect my legacy. Love doesn't compare and get jealous. Ego is always comparing and often motivated by jealousy 
and outdoing others. Look what I did. Look what I did. Look what I did. Love doesn't proudly boast about accomplishments. Prideful boasting is the food that ego feeds on to survive. They expect everyone's world to revolve around their little agenda. <laughs> Love is not self-seeking. Self, 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 selfies, <laughs> selfie culture, selfie, <laughs> self, selfie. Self, immature. I don't care about you. What is a selfie? Look at me and no one else. Look at me and no one else. Self. Ego only thinks of self at the cost of those around them. Love is not easily angered. Look at that. Ego gets angry every time it doesn't get its way. Or its image is threatened. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Thank you, Jesus. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Ego keeps a long and detailed list of wrongs. That was my grandmother. She said, Ben Daly, if you ever mess up, believe me, I got a book and I'm keeping track of everything you've done. Ego keeps a long and detailed list of wrongs and uses them against you when the opportunity arises or they want to elevate their own image. Love reject or rejoices with the truth because the truth is what sets free. But ego rejects the truth anytime it threatens its image. That's why so many of us don't want to hear the truth. Because, watch, if you really know the truth, watch. You may have to make some adjustments. I know the truth will set you free, but here's what I've realized. It may sting at first, too. And every once in a while, I've noticed that at the kids' table, we often try to mask or camouflage our ego. And here's what we do in the church. We say, well, you know, I'm just using wisdom. Really? The problem with that is James actually describes true wisdom, the, the wisdom of Christ, in you in great detail and the attributes of wisdom and, 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 and James, James, his definition, it don't, it don't match the immature definition. Matter of fact, I took my discipleship group this past year called the 12 through the book of James. No wonder there's theologians who say, we may want to rip James out of the Bible because that's for mature people. James 3, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving. Considerate, submission, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Do you know what he's saying? A mature believer who is motivated by love. He's teachable, submissive. There's a word we don't like. That means willing to follow and willing to learn. And I'm willing to mature in my identity. And one of the roles, thank you, Holy Spirit. Take your hand, church. Set it right here and be reminded what you are packing on the inside. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in us teaches us the role is to teach us to motivate us to move us from being ego driven to being motivated by the love of God and if you're thankful for the Holy Ghost clap your hands and give God praise <laughs> hallelujah 
Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. I'm going quick. We're going to receive communion. Anybody getting anything today? Okay. Somebody put a water for me on the kids' table. Yeah, thank you, Tony. A sippy cup on the kids' table. I need something to drink. Okay. I'll do it. I'll say Mature believers are motivated by commitment rather than convenience. Okay. Thank you. Mature believers are motivated by commitment rather than convenience. Mature believers are committed believers. Okay. At the kids' table, I get it. The kids make decisions based on how easy it is to accomplish something, but at the mature table, we realize that outside of salvation, nothing of significance is accomplished without a certain level of commitment. Is this too much? You will never build the life I'm sorry, you will never build the marriage, you will never build the career, you will never build the ministry that God has created you to do and to build and what he did it for until you start making decisions that are based on commitment rather than convenience. Okay, John 16, look what Jesus said. I have told you these things, here's a promise, in this world, I told you these things. In this world, you're going to have peace. Now look what he says. Here's a promise. In this world. It's so crazy here in immature church. I just can't believe what's going on in the world. Well, Jesus said, in this world, there's going to be all kinds of trouble. But church, you better take heart. Why? I have overcome the world. So Jesus warns us in advance. Hey, you're going to walk through difficult times. You're going to walk through disappointing seasons. You're going to walk through betrayal. You're going to walk through hardship. You're going to walk through struggle. And he actually told us to expect seasons like that in our life that don't always feel. Well, I don't feel good. I don't feel good. But then he said this, hey, grown folk, you better recognize that you can take heart. Why? Because I have overcome the world. In other words, yes, you're going to walk through some tough seasons in life, but don't you quit just because it's hard and don't you quit just because it's in convenient because he said I have already overcome everything that you are walking through and the worst thing that could happen to you in this season and when I say it you better give God praise like you believe it the worst thing that could happen to you in this season y'all aren't ready for this is that it might work out for your good <laughs> come on and clap your hands and give him praise hey is that all you got If we quit or stop showing up, church, every time it gets hard and inconvenient, you ain't hurting anybody but yourself because you are stunting your own growth and you are risking delay of both your development and your destiny. And don't you ever forget this truth. Nothing healthy can grow 
that does not stay planted. Yeah, that's about what I thought I'd get right there. Why do you think the psalmist wrote this? Those who are planted. Where? In the house of the Lord. Well, I don't know. You know, I just don't know about the local church. I don't know about, you know, <laughs> I just don't know if it's you know, really essential. If it's really, Let me tell you something. I've never believed it's more essential than now. In a world full of bad news, let me tell you, I know why we're here. I don't even second guess it. I've never been more convinced. I've never, I've never been more convinced about my calling. I've never been more convinced about my purpose. I've never been more convinced about my destiny. I've never been more convinced about where we're going. I've never been more, I've never been more convinced. But you got to understand, mature fruit is found only on planted trees. And sometimes in the face of adversity and in the face of pain, there's a very real temptation to do what a whole lot of people are doing right now because they're losing their minds. And that is what? I'm going to unearth myself and I'm going to find easier soil in order to what? Avoid the issues that appear to be causing me pain. And that's why in a few weeks, I'm starting a new series, a five-week series. Y'all aren't ready for this. It's called group therapy. Because, because here's what I've realized. Because some of you won't get a counselor, I'm going to have to be the best one for you in this season. <laughs> so we're going to pull the chairs up and have some group therapy. Because I've realized, I know we got a church full of everybody saying, I believe the gospel. But my question is, when it's going to manifest in your life? When are you going to allow that gospel to go to the deep areas of your life and deal with the pain that you're not willing to address? I've never been more convinced that it's the gospel. When I know I'm secure in Christ, when I know I'm complete, when I know I'm full, that I want to go to the deep areas of my life. And I know we love in the church to be loud, and we love to talk about all the external things, and we love to talk about, you know, all of the strategies and the structures and what we're doing. There is not a week that don't go by that I'm watching another pastor collapse, another leader collapse. Well, look at the church they built, and look what they did. Let me tell you, that's the easy stuff. Let me tell you the hard stuff. It's going to the inner labyrinth of your soul, the stuff you don't want to deal with, the the stuff you don't want to talk about, the stuff you're not willing to address, the people you're not willing to forgive, the stuff that's going on in you. <laughs> Mature believers are motivated by commitment rather than convenience. And listen to me carefully. The truth that I'm sharing with you today, I know it's counterculture. I, I know it is. I know what I'm up against. Because I know we've said now, you know, church is just like, you know, hey, come on, come on. It's, it's like your best program online. You find yourself a preacher. You find yourself somebody. Get up, well, get away, get up under that preacher. Let me tell you something. A true pastor is actually somebody that you get up under and say, feed me. And I'm not an entertainer. And I'm not another channel on someone's, you know, flip and click and find somebody. I'm a shepherd. I feed the sheep. I don't beat the sheep, I feed the sheep. And I feed the sheep lamb. 
And even in the capital C church, it's gotten to the point that we only define God's favor in our lives as anything that makes my life, my life, more comfortable and more convenient. Well, you know, I just don't do that anymore because it was really tough, you know. (laughs) Well, in, in, in doing this, let me tell you what's happening. We miss some of the most important and maturing manifestations of God's good work in our lives. And I'm trying to teach somebody today because some of you are wondering why you're still living in that cycle going around the mountain and you just can't seem to quit. Every time we encounter an inconvenience or a tough assignment, we decommit ourselves. I hear what God's doing around the world. People are fighting. I mean, walking miles to get to corporate gatherings to be in God's house to hear teaching and here well you know it's a real cold 55 this morning (laughs) and if I had to get up you know and really fight the no traffic (laughs) to get to a heated building that people paid for to gather and sit up under God's word and get around other believers. It just may be an inconvenience for me. And we end up stunting our our process and stunting maturity and our identity in Christ. Look at how James addresses the issues of James 1. Look at this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith is what produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be what? That you may be what? That you may be what? And complete, not lacking anything. And built into that maturity process is learning how to trust God. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God. I'm learning to trust God. Even when I don't feel it, I'm going to trust God. And and, and I know we sing some, you know, we we stand here, we sing songs that we don't even believe. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You don't even know what you're singing. Shut your mouth. The church is full of unbelieving believers. You don't believe what you sing. You don't believe what you hear preach. You don't believe. We call ourselves believers. Even when I don't feel it. My God, when you don't feel let you ready to run. Let me tell you something. If, if we only interpret our Father's favor as comfort and convenience, then according to James, we end up lacking the maturity that we need to fulfill our mission because we keep interpreting favor as convenience rather than a God-given opportunity to mature in our identity in Christ. And here's the problem. Children are following children. And Paul had to address it in the church and say, you've, and I'm talking to the church today, you've got 10,000 boy teachers. But you don't have many fathers. That's why our culture's in identity crisis. And can't figure out who we are because a father speaks identity and affirmation. 
This is my beloved son. Lift up your hands, every one of you. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You are my beloved son identity in whom I'm well pleased. Affirmation. And if I got a house of sons, clap your hands and give God praise. I know I'm getting you to communion, but let me pastor you for a moment. Understanding God's favor means watch. Allowing ourselves to be corrected sometimes. And I know in this culture, I know, I know what I'm up against. I'm not even talking about it. But in this culture, kids feel like they got the right to correct adults. We, we, we gonna tell you what to do. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you what to do. You know how foolish that is? You know what I've realized? This is how church is being run. Immaturity. God's favor means there's correction in my life. Can I tell you, when I look back over my life, there were times I had to receive correction, and I am so thankful for the fathers that God put in my life that I didn't run when they corrected me. I had no clue that that course correction was going to save my life. Understanding God's favor means that even in discomfort or difficulty, God is using it to prepare your destiny. Lift up your hands and listen to me. As long as convenience determines your decisions, you will always subvert your development. That's the shortcut. Some of you don't realize you're taking a shortcut. And I know you, I know you think you can get there quicker doing it your way. But let me tell you something. It's cheating you out of the valuable journey of fulfillment. I don't know who I'm talking to, but right now I, I, I feel by the Spirit of God, I'm saving marriages. I'm saving lives. I'm saving businesses. I'm saving people. Convenience is doing, watch, convenience is doing God's will your way. Commitment is doing God's will God's way. And let me be clear. I'm, 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 I'm not talking about your salvation, and I'm not talking about your acceptance in Christ. I'm talking about you maturing in your identity in Christ, and that is impossible to do as long as you keep making decisions based on what? What's easy versus what's hard. Well, you know, this is really my time, you know. It's really my place. It's really, you know, this is my time, and I'm going to do what I want. I don't care about anybody, and I don't care about anything, and I don't care about my future, and I don't care about my children's future, and I don't care about my church, and I don't care about the future of the kingdom, and I don't care about anything. This is me. It's all about me. It's all about me. That's the problem, and we're destroying everything around us. No matter how hard you try to alter your circumstances externally, that's why some of you are so tired. And no matter how you acquire new knowledge, whatever, you know, books or, you know, podcasts or YouTube videos, none of it will go anywhere without commitment. And let me be clear, 
when the going gets tough, let me be clear, when the going gets tough, kids quit and adults commit. Okay, that's about what I thought right there. Yeah. It's about what I thought. In the face of adversity, maturity steps up. But immaturity steps back. No. <laughs> when you walk through battles, the immature see themselves as victims. But the mature understand that in Christ, I'm victorious. Lift up your hands, every one of you, lower floor, upper tier. You're a mature believer. I declare over every one of you, you will see potential in your problems. You will see blessings in your battles. You will see providence in, in, in poverty. You will see fruit in famine. You will see opportunities and obstacles. You will see creativity in chaos. You will see possibilities and impossibilities. You will see prophets and misfits. And if I got a church that believes it, clap your hands and give God praise. Come on. As long as convenience is king, commitment is going to be absent. And you will always find yourself frustrated and always dealing with immature conversations at this table. Because mature believers are motivated by what? Commitment rather than convenience by faith over feelings. Not that feelings are bad. We're going to deal with that in a new series I'm doing. But feelings are often based. Here's, here's the problem. They're often based on circumstances. And faith is why we're having communion today. Faith is based on Jesus and his faithfulness. See, mature believers know, watch, even on days when I've been faithless, he remains faithful. I'm not going to get into this today. I'm going to come back next week. Matter of fact, I'm going to change the, the direction I was going next week. I know, I know, I'm, I'm not even going to get to this last point, but I, I know what I'm going to cover next week. Next week, we were going to do marriage, maturing in our relationships. This is big. Everybody brings somebody. This is big. But I'm going to move some things around and I'm going to deal with this one because I'm telling you, I want every one of you to prosper in your life. And when I say prosper, I mean every area of your life, but that does include your finances. And do you, do you know what I have realized in recent days? I, I've, I've realized this truth right here. We got to grow up in this area because when it comes to money matters, putting your inner child in charge has carried some serious consequences. After all, let me tell you, debt, poverty, a steady diet of hot pockets doesn't look good on a 38-year-old. And if you're ready to reinvent, and I'm talking to grown people, if you're ready to reinvent your, your financial life and, and stop acting like a kid, and, and come to the table and really deal with some stuff. And by the way, we're also going to do 
a special gift that we're giving to everybody free of charge to really pour into you and help you and really work with you to mature in this area because I believe, lift up your hands, 2022, no matter what is going on in the world around us, no matter what we see in the natural, I prophesy over Calvary Church and churches, not just this location, but every location. This will be your most prosperous year of all. Give God a hand clap of praise right now. But write this down. Mature believers are motivated, are you ready? By giving rather than getting. What I'm about to do in two weeks has been a dream for 10 years. And it's gonna take grown people. You better hear what I'm saying. I'm pastoring you. And if you don't think where God's calling us, it's gonna take mature people who understand it's not always about getting, but it's about giving because that's my new nature. I look like my father. I look like my father. I'm a son. I look like my father. I got the voice of my father. Kids are consumers. Adults are contributors. And the mature believer has discovered that giving actually produces fulfillment because generosity is the natural outflow of your identity in Christ Jesus. I'm going to teach on this. I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to deal with this. We're going to address that kid table mentality. We're going, we're, we're, we're going to address some stuff to help you begin to walk it out, walk it out. Let, 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 let me tell you, this is strong. This is, how, this is how immaturity can ruin what could be healthy, what could be life-giving. I'm talking about things like relationships. And when the kids at the kid's table don't get what they want, you better give me what I want when, 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 when I want it. You give me what I want when I want it and the way I want it then here's what they do. They take their ball and go home. And here's the problem. They end up taking all of that with them wherever they go. When is the church gonna get it? And the process of maturity they resisted before is always gonna catch up to them wherever they go. No more cycles. Lift up your hands. No more cycles. No more cycles. In fact, can I, can, can, can I pastor you? Look at me. Look at me. It's going to save some of you. This take me a long time to learn. Be careful of people who act like a victim in a problem they created. Okay. Okay. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful. Because the victim is going to pick somebody to blame. And most of the time it's the leader. Or you. And mature believers, they just give. I mean, when I was a child, I spoke about childish matters. I saw things like a child. I reasoned. Mature believers, I give for the joy. They, they, they give of themselves. They give their resources. 
It's the Holy Spirit living inside. Take your hand, set it right here. Lift up your head. Take three deep breaths right now. I know where I'm going. No condemnation today. No condemnation. But I'm going to help you today. If you're ready to move tables and start that process of growing up, let me tell you something. We are on this journey together. I have not arrived. If you think I'm yelling at you like I've arrived, let me tell you something. This church has been gracious to me. I'm on this journey with you. We're walking this journey out with the help of Christ in us. But you better hear me. There is no condemnation. But because of immaturity and immature motives, I am watching relationships fall apart. I am watching closed doors. I am watching lost opportunities. I am watching broken hearts, loss of what could have been in a life-giving relationship. And watch this. No condemnation, but you will choose to live a life of frustration. And some of you are going to be real frustrated when the people in your life decide to mature and move tables and move on. And, and again, no condemnation, but you will experience abundant frustration. Three things I want to declare over you today. Lift up your hands. Here it is. Because of God's grace, I declare over you today in Jesus' name, one, it's not too late. Say thank you, Jesus. Say thank you, Jesus. Two, <laughs> he who started a good work in you, he'll be the one faithful to complete. Say thank you, Jesus. And number three, I declare over you, that's why I started the year with it. God can redeem lost time and missed moments and if I got a mature church that believes it clap your hands and give God praise come on give him praise like you believe it okay okay before we receive communion and walk out of this place together I know I've gone over but mature people are okay with that don't worry you'll have lunch I was sitting here today looking on the front row and I saw a pastor who showed up today, surprised me with his family. You got to understand, I honor you and I'm going to tell you why. Do you know who's sitting on the front row today? The pastor who gave me the first opportunity to preach at a church when I was 19 years old. Is that all you got? And, and can I say to you today, thank you for believing in me because I know I said nothing. But I got up there and acted, I was like, and you just sat there and shouted me on and acted like I had something to say when I was saying nothing. How many are thankful for the faithfulness of Jesus? Bring me, a, bring me a microphone. Pastor Danny, come on up here. Before we receive communion, come on up here. Give him a good hand clap real quick. 
help him up here. He's an old man now. <laughs> Come on, Calvary. Give him a hey, good hand man, clap real you. quick. Come on. God bless you. Come here. The first man that gave me a shot. How long did you pastor you? one church? 43 years. 43 years. How many know that's called commitment? Come on. How long you been married to your wife? It will, uh, 47 years, 48 years, a long time. Get up here. Get Come up here. here. Get up here. Listen. How long we been? Since 1975. He don't even know anymore. It's a long time, bro. Somebody say commitment. Commitment. Yeah. So why, why in a moment like this, before we receive communion, why is giving and being committed to this so critical in a church? You pastored one church 40, 40, almost 45 years, and that church is still going strong. Why is, why is mature giving so critical? You know, when you look at the Word of God, the feeding of the, the 5,000, Jesus took the bread, break it, gave it, and it was distributed. Yeah. When it was over with, Pastor, there was 12 baskets left over. Wow. There was 12 men who had distributed that bread. Yeah. Sometimes in mature giving, <laughs> it's not God's trying to get it to you. It's God's trying to get it through you. And at the end of the day, the men that put giving first had an abundance each, not just of bread and not just of fish, but they took home the whole basket. So when you look at mature giving, it's a condition of the heart. heart. And I have found in 43 years of ministry, when God gets ready to elevate a congregation to the next level, and he's going to take the church to the next level, he does it through the generosity of people. Because in order for God to take you where you need to be, he's got to increase your salary, those watching online, he has to increase your base, and generosity will break through, and that blessing will come when we're willing to not hold on to it, willing to release it. You believe that, church? Okay, it's time for some mature giving. Let's start February, and I want to say this. Thank you to this house for being a mature house. You have been amazing. I'm so grateful for mature people. And, and by the way, mature people, they're not always loud. No. And, and they're not always seen. Absolutely. But they have been the ones who have taken Calvary in a time like this forward. And I'm going to ask you today to give and let's give as a mature church. And after we give, I want you to pray over those who are giving. After we give, you take out your communion elements. You open it up. You hold it in your hand, and we're going to receive together before we walk out of this place. Lower floor, upper tier, after we give, get your communion elements ready to give. There's a few ways to give. If you're online, website, app, text to give. You know, I'm old school. I, I do envelope. You know? We do, too. Yeah. But uh, I'm going to give that way. Right after we give, we're going to receive communion. Set our eyes on the faithful one. I love you, church. Thank you for your generosity. Speak a blessing over every giver Amen. today. Would you hold your giving up? God doesn't bless what is common, but he will bless what is holy. You hold in your hand a holy seed. Father, as we come to you today, we want to thank you that as we release from our hands the generosity of your blessing, we decree that you're going to bring it back to the lives of 
people that are sacrificially giving. You meet us at the place of our sacrifice. Let our giving today move us. If it doesn't move us, it'll never move you. So let it be something that we feel, and in response, your generosity will flow. And everybody said amen. Let's go ahead and give to the Lord, and then we're going to receive communion together. Let's give, church. Welcome to Calvary. Whether this is your first time or first time in a long time, we want to say welcome home and we encourage you to pull out your phone right now. There are so many great things happening here at Calvary. Make sure to stay in the know by downloading the Calvary app. There you can give, check out past messages, or connect to a gospel circle. Also, make sure that you follow us on social media at Calvary Church CC to get daily encouragement and be reminded of who you are in Christ. Lastly, follow our pastors on social media, Pastors Ben and Kim Daly. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you online. that bread and get that juice in your hand get it open I'm giving you a moment this is critical we want to set our eyes on the faithful one coming to this moment thank you Jesus you can even join us wherever you are We've got a little piece of bread we got a little juice stand with me if you will please with that with that bread and juice in your hand will you do that Right there where you are in your own words, Jesus, I believe what you accomplished for me was enough, was enough. Look at that little piece of bread and be reminded right now that it was his broken body by his stripes on that body. Are you healed? Be reminded today that you are the body of Christ. And in you is the Spirit of God. Wow. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead in you. You're an overcomer. And so in remembrance of Jesus and his broken body, as a church, we set our eyes on you, Jesus. And we eat. Go ahead and eat now. Look at that cup and be reminded of his shed blood that washed away every sin and made you righteous. Right, made you right. You are standing here today, believer. Well, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been involved with. You better set your eyes on the faithful one. He said, I've made you right, and it's not based on anything you've done. It's based on what Jesus has done. And he says, I've made you right. You've become the righteousness of God in Christ. Right there where you are, you are not guilty. And you are entirely pleasing to God. Let that reality sink in. 
Thank you, Jesus. And in remembrance of Jesus, go ahead and drink now. I love you, church. This week we start our gospel circles. Kim and I, we've got ours on Thursday night. Have you registered? I love you, church. Let's grow in grace together. Your best days are in front of you. Have a great week. I'll see you right back here at Calvary. I love you. We encourage you to live generously and give generously. You can do that right there online on our app by searching and downloading Calvary Church CC. You can give on our website or you can text to give by texting Calvary IRV followed by the amount to 833-245-6183. And I encourage you to set up your reoccurring giving. Calvary, let's remain consistent and faithful in the face of inconsistency.